Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with the One Nation Under Whiskey podcast. I'm joined today and, as always, by my good friend, my business partner, the dear, sweet, endearing, <laughs> endearing Jason Johnston Yellen. How are you today you. on this fine whatever day we're on? I'm tiggity-boo. All right. Do you, just really quickly, is, is there an origin story to tiggity-boo? Nope. <laughs> well, I asked you about Nayscoob. You told me about Nayscoob, right? You don't have a, a Scooby-Doo clue, so you don't have an idea. I asked you about uh, Never in My Cream Puff, which... Cream Puff? Yeah, don't know that one. Yeah, but but you had a reason to use it. <laughs> sure. As much as I've got a reason to use anything. <laughs> So tickety boo, just, just like cream puff, doesn't really have a, an origin story that you're familiar with. Tickety boo, nope, I do not. I do not. I just I like I like the sound of it. It it resonates quite quite nicely. Tickety boo. Right. Two words. Tickety boo. Oh, it's not a hyphenated like tickety hyphen boo. I've I don't know. You'd have to speak to. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Mister Tickety and Ms. Boo. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they hyphenated or Is that not. Like Captain I can only I can only speak for Johnston's and Yellen's <laughs> <laughs> decisions that were made there many decades ago. That holy moly, it still just boggles our mind that in you know here we are in twenty twenty two, some computer systems still don't use a hyphen. Is that true? Yeah. So when traveling, say I go into the the United Club Lounge, yeah, my. My information, Johnston uh, and Yellen just yes. run together. Yep. yep. And so whoever's at the desk just says, Welcome. It's good to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in front of me, they've said, Welcome, Mr. Smith. And behind me, they've said, Welcome, Ms. Jones. And then me in the middle, they're like, It's good to see you again. Hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> it's yourself <laughs> yeah that's that that's right that happens with Haida too right because she's a hyphenated last name as well so mm. she'll quite often be a, a Mueller hat and no hyphen or a Mueller space hat and like it completely just wants to get rid of the hyphen I would I would accept the space over the the combined sometimes what will also happen is the n will get dropped from the end of yelling because there's too many letters uh, some systems, I, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but some systems only hold like 15 letters of a last name. Yeah. And the hyphen and the N, I think, pushes us to 16. Oh, so you just become very yelly. Yeah, that's it. I think they're just that's saying things then, about you. He's real yelly, this guy. Oh, what, what's your name? Johnson Yellen. That's not what it says here. That's because in 2022, not all computer systems work. Like, <laughs> 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 it's... It's not a me thing. It's a that system thing. So uh-huh. could we uh, could we buck up our ideas here? Uh-huh. Here's a question. Oh, all right, go ahead. Have you been watching? And I, I've oh my got gosh. a feeling you have not. I'm so. I was about to ask you if you were watching something, all and right. now you're going to ask me we're if gonna, I was. Oh, oh God, I want it to be the same thing. I hope it is. I. I don't think the statistics are in our favor of you and I naming the same no, thing. I have not been rewatching Golden Girls. But I appreciate you asking me that. But. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny about you saying that? Is Tamara and I have been rewatching Will and Grace. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. 
<laughs> just to see how it's aged, just to see, has, you know. Has it, it aged well? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if it has. It's, it's an easy watch, and I, I really feel that we're back in 98, 99, 2000. Yeah, that, yeah. that was the first three seasons. And, and whereas I'm, I'm noticing a lot of the younger people, hey there, fellow kids, have been watching <laughs> Friends. They've yes, been going back. And, like in, traveling around airports, I'm seeing young people in baggy Friends sweaters. It's an interesting development. Mm, mm-hmm. So so I know the young people have been doing Friends. Tomorrow and I kind of dipped into Will and Grace. Anyway, that was only from you talking about Golden Girls, which I adore. Have you been watching the video game, the history of video games uh, uh, documentary on Netflix? The six episodes? So we aren't talking about the same thing. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about Sandman. Um, no. Oh, right. Right? Because that's something that I figured that, that you would have read. But anyway, we'll, we'll get... I did read. I did read back in the day. I did. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I haven't watched second. it. You haven't watched it? Oh, Jason. It's excellent. It's really excellent. I'm just six episodes in. It's... it's remarkable it's really good anyway who has it uh netflix okay really good adaptation yep i think you'll be happy with that even even my most you you know how star wars fans like nowadays it seems most star wars fans are toxic star wars fans that's what i'm hearing it has to be perfect it has everything has to align with canon we are not allowed to have any fun whatsoever, right? I like having fun, and so I would have been happy with this so long as it was a decent adaptation that had a good bit of fun. This, I think, is an excellent adaptation. It is also a good bit of fun. Anyway, to answer your question, I haven't. It's been on my list of the... Uh, it, it's like the history of, of video games, right? In a sense, yeah. It, it's not quite as chronologically historical as I thought it was going to be, but it is it is mostly uh, historically chronological. Is it arcade games or, or console games? Both. Okay. It, it shows the rise of the arcade and then the death of the arcade and then the rise of the console and mm. then the development of the console. Mm. And it... What I've really enjoyed about it is I've watched it with with both my boys who are now fifteen and twelve, mm-hmm. and so often because I'm a I'm now a an old man, is whenever they're playing and I feel bad for them they've only got a PS4 you know oh, my poor kids wow. uh, rubbing tears from my I eyes hear, I hear them every um, day help I'm being repressed help help I'm being repressed bloody peasant oh what a giveaway do you hear that do you hear that eh? That's what I'm on about. Do you see him repressing me? <laughs> That's it. That's it. God, we are just sucky, sucky parents. It's only a PS4. And and whenever they're they're often playing their games, I'll say things like, back in my day, and, uh, and then I'll go off on a tangent about Sonic the Hedgehog. But obviously for years they've been playing Minecraft, and I, mm-hmm. and I talked about how much Minecraft reminds me of Doom that we played back in the day. Oh, which I never right? played, like, but... I know of like we it. moved. Look how far away we moved from pixelated games. Yeah. Only to have our kids return to pixelated game. Yeah. yeah. And it, it always boggled my mind. And so I would always tell them about Doom. The series concludes with a look at Doom. 
which made me so really? incredibly happy. <laughs> so happy. Um, and so, yeah, it, it doesn't come as, as much into the, the current state of affairs as mm. I thought it might. I don't know if there's maybe going to be a second season of it since mm. it, it kind of ended at, I think it's six episodes. Um, but yeah, Doom was the last episode. So that gives you a sense of how far it got. Uh, one of the episodes before that was Street Fighter and <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Okay. Right, but then didn't go into Tekken, for example, on on the PlayStation. Yeah, it it sounds it sounds as if it was purposefully incomplete. There must be a second series or yeah, season I wonder. that, that I, they're working on. I wonder, but it was it was really good. And then the episode where they finally got to Sonic. Oh. I was so happy. That was that was my game. I was Sonic? really maybe I was probably seventeen coming eighteen when the Sega bus came to my my secondary school in Scotland. Okay. And two two decks of the, the Sega bus and I saw Sonic for the first time and it just blew my mind. What's a Sega bus? <laughs> So you know the you know Sega, right? Yeah, yeah, the gaming system, and, Sega and, Genesis, yeah, the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it was just a corporate bus that had consoles and screens. Oh, and you would just uh, get on the bus, double decker yeah. and Yeah. And just play Sonic, get in cues with your friends, watch over shoulders. Oh. oh it was amazing. I had a Commodore sixty four at home. Nice. Playing, you know, Doom. Yeah. <laughs> pixelated Doom. And then this fast scrolling, like up, down, left, right game was happening, mm. bright colors. The speed of it was remarkable. And oh, yeah, I was in love, <laughs> head over heels, uh, just like Sonic himself. Um, huh. Yeah, blew me away. And so my, so my, my poor kids, as we're watching this episode, I'm just fanboying out. And they're, they're just like... Poor dad. Poor dad. That's what he had to be excited about when he was a little bit older than us. Poor dad. Wow. Someone, one of my one of my old uh, high school, fellow high school students, I wouldn't call him a friend because we weren't friends in high school. Um, secretly, we were, we were nemesises. He didn't know that. Um, we're not anymore. Anyway, he posted recently a video. It's like maybe three, four minute video of this arcade game that I used arcade game this arcade that I used to go to every weekend in Waterbury Connecticut it was called Crazy Eights and it was right next to a movie theater in the Colonial Plaza hmm. and so right my my mom and dad divorced in the very early 80s so Fridays Saturdays I would be with him and it was movies in the arcade and and you know playing all the games like Dragon's Lair and Alien Syndrome mm -hmm. and Missile mm -hmm. Command and, that, you know, all of these games. Anyway, watching that video, seeing the people from the early 80s and, like, mm -hmm. all of the, the 17, 18-year-old boys that had thick Jim Croce mustaches and, <laughs> and feathered hair and, like, you know, those, like... <laughs> 
those belly showing sporty arm cut off tank tops and short shorts. Dude, you are describing the documentary we just <laughs> finished. I? It shows like competitions that were being held. Yeah. Um, you know, gaming competitions, the guys who were at it, and they're like, Yeah, and, and this was, you know, this was the under 16s division. And there's like guys in there that look like 30-year-old steel workers. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I don't think kids look like that anymore. No. <laughs> uh, do you have anywhere uh, near you? You got to watch oh. it this weekend. You have I w- to watch I w- it this weekend. I will do. I will do. Um, Delma is currently watching Impractical Jokers, and she will not stop laughing, and I'm told that I need oh. to watch that too. Oh, I hate my kids watching that show because, again, yeah, they just cackle at it. It's, it's nonstop. So, but... I don't want to go down that route. I want to stay in this arcade. Kids and thing. their happiness. It just makes me sick. So infuriating. <laughs> do you do you have anywhere near you a barcade? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I do. The closest, I suppose, is is where you were with us and your family uh, last summer, which is Ruby's Ruby's Arcade. Uh, so. There is Ruby's Arcade, so so beers, arcade games, uh, duck pin bowling, foosball. Mm-hmm. Pool I think tables, pool ping table. pong tables, air hockey. Yep, and then it's got Donkey Kong Junior, Pac Man, yeah. maybe Defender. Oh, okay, so there there's an actual chain of bars called Barcade, ah. and we have okay. one in New Haven, and it's like Ruby's is great because it has an assortment. Of you know different types of gaming, but Barcade is like a decent size arcade with all the old school games and rows of them for you to play. But then also go up to the bar and get just you know great craft ales and sours and saisons and like really good, well curated beers. Nice. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Do you? pay for the the individual game time or do you get a pass no you, you, play you pay it's free for an hour if i'm not mistaken it's either tokens or quarters and the one in new haven was for the most part old school pricing so a quarter gets you a gameplay some games it's two quarters there's none of this you know dollar nonsense yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. I almost want to say the arcade games at Ruby's are free. Oh, and you just pay for a pass to play them. No, you just walk up and play them if you're at Ruby's. You you buy passes for the other things, the pool table, yeah. the, the ping pong. Obviously, the duck pin is is the real money maker. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's always, always a queue for that, yeah, always yeah. A, a list being maintained. But, yeah, you can just walk up to one of the arcade games and play it. Whoa, I don't remember that. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll see you this Thanksgiving. That's it. We'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) We'll show up on Ruby's door, no doubt about it. Gotta give Mimi her favorite pizza. God, you've broken this girl. (laughs) This girl lives 15 minutes from the best pizza in America. And because she wants to be the contrarian that her dad is always... She's like, oh, Ruby's, give me pizza from nowhere near New Haven. I just, I just love watching your face drop every time I utter that sentence. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> so upsetting. So upsetting. <laughs> All right, listen. Let's let's stop being let's stop being upset. We are we're in a little spate right now, of 
of solo interviews. And I think this yeah. is this is kind of fun. Yeah, so while you were interviewing the author, Karen Abbott, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I was with Madhu Kana from Indri, or Piccadilly Distilleries, who have a malt distillery that produce a whiskey that they're now calling Indri. And so I was with him in okay. Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, just bopping around here and there. And, um, I mean, you'll hear him talk about it, but until recently, have you ever heard of Indri? Singular? I have not. No. Not. And when you said you were you were on a market visit yeah. and you, you said Indri, yeah. I, that was the first time for me. So, yeah. and, and I do have a follow-up question. Yeah, okay. When you're saying Piccadilly Distilleries, is that what you said a second ago? Piccadilly Distilleries? Yep. So is that just the name of the company or are there multiple distilleries in play under under this brand? Yes and yes. (laughs) Okay. So Piccadilly is a company that owns many businesses, including hospitality, like hotels and, and things like that. And uh, but then they also own distilleries. There's malt. They make malt. They make rum. They're making different kinds of alcohols for 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 different purposes. And their malt distillery, which was built in 2010, started actually maturing liquid in 2012. They've been making malt whiskey for. Um, for Paul John, for lots of different companies that create, not 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 making single malt for them, so mm-hmm. they can release mm-hmm. it as a single malt, mm-hmm. but for various blends, right? All these companies have, you know, products where they're going to blend malt with cane, you know, cane products, rum-like things to create a quote-unquote mm-hmm. Indian-style whiskey, and they're all doing that, right? They're all kind of making malt and sharing it around and. But the difference was the this distillery that creates the Indri single malt, their sole purpose, just like with Glenallachy, right? It used to be to produce malt to go into blends. This distillery's sole purpose was to make malt to go into blends. And, and it was only until recently that they said, maybe we should do our own malt whiskey. And so, so actually they've got um, <laughs> Surinder, who was... Amrut's um, previous master distiller, master blender, now their master blender there, which is which is pretty okay. cool. So they're really they they hit the ground running and and they got the right people in play. They're making fantastic liquid. And like I didn't know Madhu at all. I, I'd never met him before. What an absolute sweetheart of a guy. And nice. uh, you know, and you'll hear it in the interview, you know, he's just as if, just as we had never heard of Mad- Madhu before, like we'd never heard of Indri before, he, he's a guy who's been in the industry for, for years now, right? He was with Paul John, and, and he knows Ashok from, from Amrut. You know, you'll hear all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was just really nice to get to know him, get to know the distillery, and, and, and wow people with the whiskey. It was, it's a remarkable liquid, Jason. It really is... I'm not going to call it surprisingly good. I'm not surprised that it's good. I'll, I know, right? Right? <laughs> it's such a fine line to tread there. <laughs> but it, I think it's so, so well put together. 
and it just it ticks all the boxes. And, and like Paul John, like Amrut, it's so uniquely Indian, which I absolutely love. We talked mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about it a few seasons back, where we went to the Caddenheads warehouse, and I was you know blind tasting some casks, and they sneakily put a Paul John in front of me, and I said, "This is not Scotch. This is I think this may be from India." And it was right, and and I'm, I didn't say I'm not saying that to say, "Ooh, I know I know my Indian malts." I'm saying that <laughs> to point out that it's clear Indian malt has a very specific style that's outside of Scottish malt. So, given that this was a market visit, Indri is in the Impex portfolio now. So Indri is now within the Impex portfolio. However, at the time of this recording, and, and this is uh, 19th of <laughs> August, <laughs> uh, Friday, the liquid was, I think was actually meant to hit the Impex warehouse in like April or May or some some ridiculous time yeah. like that. There was a delay? Why? Uh, I don't know. Is something going on? Are, are multiple things going on? Anyway, so now yeah, now anyway. the the ETA is August twenty third, but I you know to the Impex warehouse, but I just don't trust so the it. day before this very episode drops. Yeah, yeah, and I, but I, I I want to believe it with all my heart yeah. because because I want to share it around. It's it's really turning heads, and I'm really excited to put it in front of people. So yes, it's in the Impex portfolio. And it will soon start hitting store shelves. It's just one product. It's called Trini, which is Sanskrit for three woods. Uh, T-R-I-N-I. And so it's um, ex-bourbon, ex-PX, and ex-red wine cask. Interesting. Okay. Okay. But I don't know why, but I've... In my mind, I, I'm thinking of M&H when I'm hearing red wine casks. Maybe because they've pulled it off successfully and and that's now where my mind goes and so to think of of that mix happening with an indian malt mm-hmm. that's in the impex portfolio mm-hmm. like interesting it's interesting looking for those types of flavor patterns flavor trends yep uh and so that's that's interesting that you say that. All right, listen, we we could, we could keep going here. Yep. Should we should we jump into this interview? This will be me hearing it for the first time, so I'm excited, and then we'll we'll have a few more words on the other side of it. Sounds good to me. Well, Madukana, it's an absolute pleasure having you uh, with me on our podcast. And it's been an absolute pleasure just the past two days. We've been together two days traveling, yes? Yes, Joshua. It's been an absolute pleasure driving around with you and and experiencing a bit of America through the lens of Indian single malt whiskey. I must say the pleasure is mine because I have never met an interesting personality like you uh, (laughs) from a lot of things. Um, One, for your sense of humor. Second, for your knowledge of what you possess on different single malls around the world. Um, Third, uh, the open mindset you have towards approaching different whiskeys. 
because when i see you uh, tasting a bourbon or a rye or a single malt from scotland yeah or from any 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 destination around the world be it um, you know israel or australia or yeah. you're very open to flavors you're you're tasting it without prejudice mm. and uh, that's something that i learned from you over the last two days i must admit wow i am <laughs> i'm really bad with compliments <laughs> so i'm just going to say thank you and uh sometimes it's it's okay to take some <laughs> yeah I know, i know i'm just not very good at it but but seriously bottom of my heart thank you I, i i appreciate that it means a lot um she can get me choked up we haven't even started this conversation here uh so so we're sitting right now in, in a hotel room absolutely and so as we've been going around i've been i've been listening to you talk about indri and specifically the 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 trini whiskey which we're sipping on and i'd like to go over that in a little bit i would also like to to touch on your background for the purposes of just sort of laying down the groundwork here uh, or laying a foundation down i wonder if you could talk a little bit about indri as a distillery because it's something that few people have ever heard of however it's been around for 10 year almost 10 years now producing whiskey can you talk about that and why that is sure um so indri uh, is the inaugural single malt brand from picadley distilleries mm-hmm. uh picadley with uh, 1l and not 2l uh, as it's supposed to be <laughs> <laughs> so from picadley distilleries it's a group uh, in india which has been uh, into multiple business um yeah. uh, the closest that to associate with alcohol is sugar manufacturing okay. uh, ethanol uh, so a lot of sugar cane fields in india so you know uh, we are into sugar manufacturing we are into ethanol we are into extra neutral alcohol um, mm-hmm. and um, we also uh, the, the group is also into hospitality business um, they own a oh. couple of hotels and uh, you know they franchise it out to different chains the piccadilly hotel uh, piccadilly hotels oh, okay. Uh, okay. most of the um, uh, hotels are now franchised to bigger brands you know uh, because it's easier uh, to build a hotel and franchise it to a brand than um you know just owning up and maintaining it to yourself um Got it. So, so even if some of the hotels uh, are still called piccadilly in uh, this there's a hotel in chandigarh uh in punjab which is mm-hmm. uh, which is the capital of punjab and haryana um, you know uh so two states owning the same capital uh, in india oh okay um so uh, that's 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 an interesting point right yeah. so we have uh, some hotels still named in the piccadilly Mm-hmm. some of them are franchised out to other groups so natural progression for the company was uh, to get into beverage alcohol and uh, mm-hmm. they started manufacturing um you know uh, the imfl or indian made foreign liquor and the indian liquor which is basically extra neutral alcohol with flavored um you know spirits and uh, sugars and stuff like yeah. that but that's that's something that's been in india for a long time you know mm-hmm. uh, different there are so many distilleries in india and everybody does that and most of them do it across uh, but then this vertical what we are talking about indri uh, from yeah. the piccadilly malt plant we call it as a malt plant internally because uh, when we say distillery it's about anything that we distill it could be uh, extra neutral alcohol distillation etc so okay. specifically inside the organization we call it as a malt plant 
Okay. So the malt plant was set up in the year 2010 and mm-hmm. 2012 was when we started distilling completely and then filling up uh, things in the barrels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are proud to say that we are India's largest independent um, you know malt manufacturer uh, in terms of capacity and seller of malt spirit in bulk. Yeah, so capacity that that was that was something that really surprised me and, and you've heard me say it a few times in the past couple of days but talk talk quickly about your um your your stills, your size of the stills and your overall output. Uh we have six copper pot stills in the distillery. Yeah. Uh, the wash stills are uh, 25,000 liters each. Yeah. So we're talking about three pairs. So a pair of wash and a spirit. So yeah. six stills. Uh, this, the, the wash stills are 25,000 liters and the spirit stills are about 15,000 liters each. Um, we distill uh, about approximately 12,000 liters per day and wow. uh, approximately 4 million liters annually. That's our production capacity and uh, that's what we operate at. that's that really is amazing so so here's so thank you for laying that down for our listeners here's the comparison i make and this will be an interesting comparison for our listeners because there's another comparison that i usually make so the other comparison is when i talk about kilhoman you know we say kilhoman has um you know about 500,000 liters of of spirit per year that that's what they produce annually So what they produce in a year, Kalila produces in about two weeks. Wow! Right now, Kalila has a overall capacity seven million liters. But my understanding is, the past few years, they have been producing four million liters of spirit per year, just like yourselves. And when we think about Kalila, that's one of the backbone malts to Johnny Walker Black, the biggest. blend or one of the biggest blends scotch whiskey blends that there are out there and that's your capacity right to be the backbone of one of the largest single one of the largest blends by comparison right that's wild to me be again back to the thought that we hadn't heard of you you've just been sort of quietly in the background making malt for for other distilleries for their blends and things like that yes uh, so everything that we produced till about a year back mm-hmm. was sold in bulk um, as bulk malt to other distilleries in india so that they can they can just bottle it and blend it with their things yeah. and it was only um, the 2020 uh, early late 2020s uh, the idea of launching a single malt conceptualized uh, probably the that was there in the minds of the you know the the owners mm-hmm. but um i think it really started materializing and coming together uh, in yeah. 2020 the pandemic the pandemic hit and so everything was slow uh, we took our time oh so uh, you you were meant to launch in 2020 no the thought process oh, the, know, thought the thought process, process yeah, right right as to what should be the right name what should be the right way oh, to okay. do it what kind of cask will be used etc etc and then since the pandemic hit everything was slow Mm-hmm. um so 2021 uh we we've been going through multiple iterations at the distillery before we launched the single malt uh yeah. at around november 2021 in india okay uh so precisely it was a very few bottles that were produced okay. mainly to gift and tell the world that we've just 
launched a single malt whiskey but then actually the uh, the market started receiving the malt end of december early january 2022 okay so we are we are probably 8 9 months year old brand uh, so indri is 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 as it's not even celebrated its first birthday it's <laughs> amazing so i mean that really is amazing considering you're in you're in a few markets now and in expanding to to others why start your own single malt brand though if you, if you were doing tons of business you know producing 4 million liters of spirit per year selling to 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 anyone who will buy for for whatever their needs are why have your own brand if business was just fine as it was ah very interesting question um actually um the current the current um uh we call him promoter uh because not the owner exactly or chairman exactly okay because uh, the gentleman's father uh mr vinod sharma is the one who set up the distillery and set up mm-hmm. the unit and stuff like that yeah mr siddharth sharma who's the uh son of the owner is the current um person who operates uh, mm-hmm. the day to day operations and looks care of the brand creation of the brand etc mr vinod sharma actually did not think of launching a single it was there in his mind mm-hmm. but then uh, putting together a team putting together a vision and you know it, it can't be just one expression and then you forget about it yeah. right uh, we are a distillery i think about a year and a half ago uh, even before the pandemic we launched a blended whiskey in our portfolio called whistler okay uh, so whistler is a blended uh, whiskey uh, which has got a huge amount of malt spirit in it mm-hmm. and that was launched by the distillery the distillery already had blended whiskies uh, under different names like golden wings and other mm-hmm. things in india which were merely uh, did not succeed the way we wanted it to succeed uh, is is the grain whiskey your own as well yeah the grain uh, the grain whiskey was our own as oh, well okay. Okay. and we used our own malt spirit to it and we we kind of bottled it yeah. right now in a country like india if you have to create a brand uh, mm-hmm. you need to have big money right yeah. because you're fighting with the big bees right the big yeah. the big giants uh, um, who have the money and uh, who have the wherewithal to create a brand mm-hmm. uh, so your liquid can be good but if you don't really know how to market it and have the money to back back it yeah. and the focus to do it across it you you can just easily fall flat um so i think uh with multiple businesses in the family uh this was just um uh, this was just a part of the business making mm. malt spirit and selling malt spirit in bulk but the current promoter or the current owner of the company uh, mr siddharth he's a visionary right okay. um so there's something that i'm going to tell you which i probably not shared with you uh, in the last two days okay. is that um Uh, our distillery um the vision is to become uh, just not a single malt but also a distillery that produces gin uh, vodka okay. uh, and other spirits of premium quality yeah. so you are actually a company that produces a lot of spirits and the second thing which should be a surprise to you is that um uh, the we have we have just bought a piece of uh, land mm-hmm. uh, of argyle uh, in scotland Oh. and we are setting up our own distillery over there in Scotland as well wow that is awesome right we're allowed to share that <laughs> yeah. oh my god oh my god okay so the point of this conversation is is injury but i am so curious could we could we stay there for a second do you, do you have thoughts of the 
type of spirit you're looking for? Uh, are I you saw, allowed, uh, what else are you allowed to share? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, uh, we just we just uh, we just turned the process of setting up a distillery. We yeah. just we just uh, identified a piece of land. Mm-hmm. Um, now um, we have to set up our uh, uh, we have to set up our uh, the entire thing is from the scratch, right? We yeah. just identified land. Um, it is in a place called as Portavadi, Portavadi. Oh, okay. Uh, um, so. Um, um it's, it's it's the land has been identified everything has been done we okay. uh, are uh, in the process of designing it will not be a huge plant it will be a small plant with a few thousand liters of distillation uh, mm-hmm. every year uh, but that's something that will take some time you know a couple yeah. of years to do uh, but just to tell that it's it's not just a, a thought that has come that we should launch a single malt whiskey and then you know do it yeah. uh, i think the owners are thinking long term you know uh, how mm. do we expand and become a world brand right gotcha. um so um slowly and steadily we mm. want to expand our portfolio you know uh, i don't know the purpose right the purpose could be just you know having a distillery in scotland or making bulk spirit over mm. there a malt spirit over there and bringing the malt spirit marrying it across okay. blending we don't know what it is uh, across you know um, yeah. so i i have never asked uh, Siddharth, uh, my chairman, as to hey, what's what's why are we doing this, right? Yeah, probably he has something in mind, but then yeah. we are doing that as well. So, the reason why I shared this with you and and with our listeners over here is that we just uh, coming up with a single malt was something that was bound to happen. Mm-hmm. It just took time. Yeah. Um, it just took time, uh, and it just uh, is happening now. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing uh, is that. Uh, we're going to launch India's first cane juice rum, mm. uh, pure agricole style cane juice rum. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's aged for 12 years and that's a different story at all. All right. Uh, yeah. So there's so many things happening in the background. It's just not Indri. Uh, and Indri, uh, Trini is our inaugural expression. Yeah. And, uh, uh, we hope to come up with a lot more stuffs from our distillery and therefore become a true distillery that it's just not a malt distillery, but also produces a lot of other spirits and um, yeah. do do things, um, you know. Uh, Beauty. So speaking of Trini, let's, do you still have Trini in your? Yes, yes. In your uh, plastic, plastic yeah. cup? Beautiful plastic cup. It reminds <laughs> me of India. <laughs> because in India yeah. um, people want to get a quick drink before they get home yeah. or they sneak out with their friends go to a liquor shop yeah. buy a bottle and then buy two plastic cups pour the liquid into the cups top it up with soda or water yeah. gulp it down and then quietly go and have a meal and get home you know so Amazing. yeah be- because it's it's typically not acceptable to be Depends upon which part of India you're yeah, from. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of uh, places in the northern part of India, like Punjab, mm-hmm. um, and I'm talking about traditional, right? Not yeah. the urban. The urban cities, we have microbreweries and some of the best whiskey bars and stuff oh, like okay. that's happening across. Yeah. And it's it's okay to have, it's okay for both men and women to drink. And gotcha. it's, it's Like my generation, we accept it. Right? Okay. Yeah. But if I have to go a generation back and even uh, some conservative states in the southern part of mm. India, it's very interesting that... Um, Drinking is still considered as a bad habit. Yeah. Reason because people don't drink to socialize. People drink to get um, intoxicated. Yes. Yeah. And when they drink to get intoxicated, it becomes a habit so yeah. bad that yeah. they can survive without yeah. it. So people go to extremes and therefore 
like they become alcoholic and therefore it's considered mm. a bad thing to do and therefore people start hiding when they want to drink and all this thing which happen. i think would exacerbate the issue right, right. If, you, if you have to hide it if it you know I, i'm 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 no sociologist but but you know they they talk about especially with uh children you know if you if you normalize the idea of alcohol consumption um then it doesn't become this taboo thing that they want to do and, and sneak and sneaking can become a problematic thing so it's it's unfortunate that that is still happening in some spots because i imagine that may be a negative oh absolutely yeah, right? absolutely yeah. but uh, things are trying changing like for me i have my friends over at home i i drink at home mm-hmm. um i share my my liquid yeah um I'm, my son very well knows that dad is having his whiskey and yeah. dad is having his beer and once in a while he's 9 years old once in a while i say hey, you want to take a sip you want to sniff it yeah. he comes and takes a uh, you know a small sip and he says oh he doesn't like it or he yeah, likes sure. it yeah. or he tells some flavors and things which are very interesting and uh, sometimes he goes and tells my wife and she comes chasing behind me oh you're spoiling my kid so yeah everything can happen right so things are changing but but my times i i i don't drink um, in front of my parents or yeah. when even if my parents are at home i don't uh, think i will just go out and drink and get back home right uh, yeah. because i don't think that's a possibility even today for me <laughs> i hope my dad is not listening to the podcast oh, wow <laughs> Oh, he's he's been a subscriber to the podcast since day one. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kana, we call him around these parts. So with the injury trini in mind and in in our glasses, one of the one of the interesting things that we found we found today in the um in the tasting we did uh this evening at Julio's uh here in Massachusetts is we we tasted the the injury trini first and then had an Oishi, an M&H, a Glenallachy, uh, a McNair's, and then we went back to the Indri Trini. And at first, it was, for my palate, it was, it was spicy, soft, a little buttery, um, not very fruity. It was just more on, on the spice and the grain and the, uh, maybe some of the fruits coming through with the red wine. then after we had all of those other whiskies it especially in and maybe because it was after the peat it was nothing but tropical fruits mangoes and guava and and grilled pineapple and kumquats and and all just all of these fruits jumping all over my tongue and so i guess the the point i'm trying to get to is I want to talk about where your flavor is is coming from. Obviously there's the casks that I know we want to discuss. But I think your point of difference starts a little earlier with with your grain. And so I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit because it's it's unique when compared to what Scotland is doing. Right, right. And I agree uh, it's it's got to do with possibly the grain, possibly the fermentation as well. Mm-hmm. Um so the grain uh is an indian barley that we use mm-hmm. uh, now indian barley is grown in um rajasthan uh which is on the um which is which is a state closer to you know uh, closer to where the distillery is located mm-hmm. um for hundreds of years uh, it's it's a native barley yeah. and the six row barley uh, is is the husk is more mm-hmm. 
the grains are smaller inside um this is sent to a maltry where malting takes place and yeah. the malted barley comes to our distillery for further uh process which is which is basically starting from you know uh your mashing to fermentation and uh, you know um it goes through all the process now um the new make spirit itself uh, gives a different it has a fruitier note right there okay right so when we taste a new make spirit uh, just immediately after distillation mm. uh, there is a note of fruitiness right in the spirit as well is it like a a, a pear like fruitiness yes yeah. yes okay. a pear apple uh, yeah. kind of a fruity note that comes in okay, uh, okay. with with uh, but with a nice sweet uh, note to the to the liquid right yeah uh, so that uh, i think is is what translates to um you know the lot of fruits that comes along the citrusy notes that comes along mm. the oak and stuff like mm-hmm. that but i think the grain has a contribution to the liquid even after fermentation if you drink the juice you'll find that uh, that fruitiness there um okay um so oh, I, you mean you mean uh, the wash the, the wash the wash, wash. Yeah, the yeah, tasting okay. the wash yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. tasting the wash uh, gives 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 that a little bit of nice fruity uh, taste oh, to it okay. um so uh, I I would I would just um say that the grain has got a lot to do with that fruity uh flavors coming in. And so your your fermentation times do you do you know your fermentation times and is and and how does your climate affect that if it, if at all? Um so our distillery is located in a place uh, which has a very subtropical climate. Yeah. Um we are vary between uh 0 degree Celsius to uh 50 degree Celsius in summer. uh that's about uh, 32 in the winter yeah. uh 32 to 40 in the winter and can go up to 122 fahrenheit oh uh gosh. in the summer <laughs> right it's so ridiculous yes and and yeah. and i'm i'm not exaggerating a bit because the last time i was there in the distillery about a month ago mm-hmm. um it was 48 um uh 48 degrees like celsius a, like 118 118 yeah, like that yeah right and you just get it's like as if somebody is sucking the blood out of your head yeah. the heat is it's so hot yeah. and it's dry so you don't literally sweat so much unless you are in a closed space yeah um but then when you're walking out or standing out you feel like uh the sun is just putting a straw in your head and sucking out all the water oh, and juices goodness. in your body right that's that's yeah. the kind of heat yeah. we're talking about um and for me being somebody who's from the southern part of india where i live bangalore um mm-hmm. the climate is kind of moderate it's it's beautiful pleasant throughout the year mm-hmm. i don't think i ha- i can adapt to that temperature whereas yeah. people living locally over there uh are adapt they, 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 they just adapt to it they're they're okay with it they work yeah. Yeah. there are laborers who work outside right in that heat so i think it's a lot to do with adapt adaptability okay now coming to the distillery uh the, the summer our fermentation times are lower we okay. ferment about 40 to 45 hours okay um, oh, and wow. um, yeah. and uh, in the winter it goes up by another 10 to 15 hours okay so a relatively short from this time. time. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, the other uh, way uh, it impacts is the barrels, right? This extreme yeah. temperature it impacts uh, the barrels. Uh, uh, we we have uh, uh, we lose approximately 12 to 13% in the first year of our maturation. 
and then wow. going forward we lose approximately about 10% every year you know 9 8 9 10% every wow. year so um uh, to, to be very frank since we have not emptied a cask to bottle as a single cask yeah. uh, we actually want to see when we do our first single cask of a 6 year or 7 year as to how much liquid is left in the cask for us to oh, wow. really determine as to whether it's going to be 120 liters out of a 200 liter yeah. uh, bourbon cask that i'm talking about right um or 120 110 liters or 100 liters we don't know sure. yeah so uh, our guesstimate is that or what we think is that there should be about 120 liters left after 5 and 5 or 6 years of maturation 120 right. liters from a 200 liter bourbon barrel yes please okay okay so that's losing about 40% or so that's that's the assumption right okay Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see um if there's a difference between your loss in bourbon barrels with American white oak and in your PX sherry casks, which is either European oak or or Spanish oak because you've got different porosity. Is that a word? I think it's a word. Yeah. You have different porosity, porosity. um going on there and so I I wonder if there would even be variation from the two different wood types. Oh yes, I think so. Yeah. But we are at to assess it. Yeah. We, 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 it's an interesting thing for me to go back and check yeah. as to uh how how much are we losing in our uh you know um, the the wine cast the sherry casks and yeah. uh, you know versus in American oak uh versus a European oak. Yeah. It yeah. would be a very interesting one to study. So the other day I had asked you if if you could identify a a specific distillery character you know or or a character of your whiskey that that you find through all of the spirit that you've tasted you know for me when i taste this and this is the reason why i asked if if there was pear on the new make is i get this sort of baked pear with with cinnamon right down the center palate and and that's that ring true you know from today's tasting tasting it first before all the other whiskies and and then last I I got that through through them but you have a different thought on that and I and I love this tasting note and I I would love for you to share it and maybe describe a little bit exactly what you mean So for me when I taste different spirits out of different barrels yeah. um, even outside uh, the trini that we have bottled what I get is the old rug yeah. uh, kind of a, a, you know flavor aroma that that takes me to that smelling a old damp rug or you yeah. you are in a room where there is a lot of dampness in old old rugs are there that that's a very unique uh, thing that i yeah. i get probably is just me but then um there are there are a lot of things that different people get across for me that i think i identify that this spirit is from my distillery with that that kind yeah. of a, with that kind of a note to it um i don't know if it's a good thing i don't know if it's a bad thing it's, but then it's it's what i identify yeah. the spirit with um of course there is a bit of spiciness and oakiness in yeah. in all the liquid i think due to the temperature we we extract a lot of tannins actually so mm-hmm. i think the tannic nature is something that we are um, you know uh, struggling with uh, mm-hmm. uh, because our liquid uh, turns tannic quickly um, sure. uh, uh, so we need to manage the level of tannins in the liquid and try and see that we bring a beautiful balance yeah. in whatever we bottle so that's one challenge that we will have to f- face so how how do you face that are, are you currently working mostly with 
with first fill casks or do you have to work with second fill and refill casks to combat that I, I think what we are having in our distillery is uh, a lot of second fill and you know okay. third fill casks we also do have first fill casks yeah. um we we have a small cooperage inside the distillery to do okay. uh, charring and recharring of the barrels yeah. and fixing the barrels for leakages and stuff mm-hmm. like that um so um we do use uh, a substantial amount of second fill casks mm-hmm. um, and especially a company that's been selling bulk spirit uh before after selling this emptying the barrels to sell yeah. the bulk malt i think it it goes into another fill and and then so on and so forth so, so uh i think that's one thing that we are doing uh, mm-hmm. for us um one of the uh one of the projects that we are doing today uh, uh today when i say this this period is that we are trying to get a proper identification of our barrels right the 40000 barrels that's that's there in the distillery sure. um we are trying to make sure that uh, we are identifying it um properly getting getting to trace its origins trace its roots um and and that's 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 what something that we are trying to do oh. That could have been easier. Um, so we just moved uh, to uh, an Amrut five-year, um, you know, um, bottle specifically for the single cast nation. Yes, right. A good friend, Ashok uh, mm-hmm. of Amrut, uh, who's the current master distiller, who used to be the global, uh, you know, business head ambassador for Amrut. Yeah, I think um, Amrut deserves a lot of. Um, um, credit for what it has done for the indian single malt industry um and i think they took the hard step mm-hmm. of walking out to the world and telling that indians can make good single malt yeah. and uh, every time i see about uh, see amrut i feel proud about it uh, so does paul john uh, because mm-hmm. uh, they uh, they started off a bit late after amrut but i think they have experimented with a lot number of casks uh, totally different style um, yeah. different when you know it's in goa of the west coast um uh, i think uh, Paul John uh, Amrut all these guys have paved way for mm. um, for for uh, for good single malt sort of india to come ahead and shine uh, in the global market and uh, always close to my heart you know both these single malts yeah. um, and interestingly uh, it's 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 like um, uh, it's like a family right i love that it's and i told this to you earlier or maybe yesterday it's there there's an obvious sense of pride isn't that isn't that nice the texture is just ooh syrupy yeah it's like maple syrup for me you ooh. know honey and wow oh, that's a beautiful yeah. one i i do get the uh, the 62.8% abv yeah after i have after i've finished the liquid yeah but on the nose and on the palate uh, does it doesn't come through it doesn't come through at yeah. all uh, yeah. right the the heat comes only after you finish it mm-hmm. but by then i've already tasted all the flavors that's a beautiful bottling actually yeah mm. thank you we were we were really happy with this and and you know we work with our friend raj sabarwal dear friend of ours who who helped us with this cask and we're just so honored to have bottled it um what was i saying oh yes so what i was saying is you know, there's, there's this, and I'm sure the listeners heard this. You can hear the pride when, when you're talking about not just Indri and Piccadilly, but, but with, with Amra and with Paul John as well. And I really, I really appreciate that. 
And, and so I've got two questions for you. Is that, is that there, there's that sense of Indian pride, right? Which, which I think comes through and you talk about that with your packaging a little bit. I wonder before, before we talk about an Amra and Paul John connection, which I do want to get to, I wonder if you could talk about there's some Sanskrit on your packaging and then a, and then a red dot on there as well. Right, right. So that's Indri, uh, the the name of the brand written in Hindi. Um, so uh, we wanted to um, uh, be boldly Indian, yeah. uh, tell the world that, hey, this is an Indian single malt. Yeah. And the best way to uh, for the world uh, to associate us or, 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 you know, our our own people, when I say our own people, Indi- Indians to associate with the brand is through the language. Mm. And uh, the red dot on top of the I or E, uh, Indri, so there is the, the first letter that you see is E. Uh, okay. uh, and that syllable, the top, uh, the, the red dot, yeah. right, that you see is in, in. So there, e, that's yeah. e and in the dots uh, this stresses on the in in uh, in three okay, okay. right the the, lo, the 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 below part that you see uh, is actually three okay three oh down there the, yeah okay. down there there's three I, I apologize to our listeners we're describing something they can't see, see but right yeah. look in your minds I actually listeners what I'll do is is I'm going to post a picture and you'll be able to see. Um, uh, exactly what Madhu is talking about. So look for that on our on our Facebook page. Um, anyway, continue. Right. So uh, we've tried to um, write Indri in Hindi, so it's easily associated with the country. And okay. uh, Hindi is the largest spoken language mm-hmm. uh, in India. Uh, almost every state and people across the length and breadth of the country speak Hindi. And uh, the red dot that you see, it's not a perfect circle. It's like uh, as if you've touched a vermilion with your red thumb and yeah. put it on somebody's forehead. Yeah. So when you come to India or Indian home, or when you finish praying or uh, when uh, when uh, any any anything auspicious starts with uh, people um, greeting the others with a red vermilion on the forehead ah, so right? you, you don't put that on yourself someone puts that someone puts you. that on you oh, wow. uh, there are people there are occasions where you put it on your own self sure. but usually when you're welcoming somebody yeah. you just take a red vermilion and put it on the forehead so if you are yeah. a tourist and uh, and staying at one of the one of the traditional hotels in india yeah. the first thing that they do is when you enter especially in touristic locations like kerala goa mm-hmm. and the hill stations of north india everywhere they just make sure that they they welcome you by putting wow. a small red vermilion on your forehead so we try to bring uh, subtly uh, not very boldly but yeah. very subtly at proudly a lot of india on uh, the indri uh, that we have written in uh, hindi over there of course we have written indri indian single malt or single malt indian whiskey mm-hmm. um uh, at the bottom in English, uh, but then uh, I think um, we consciously took the decision of writing Indri uh, in in Hindi yeah. right on the packaging. I I love that, and I lo- I really when you talk about welcoming someone by putting that that upon their forehead, I, I, that's a really beautiful gesture. I think that's really cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so. Uh, Quickly back to back to Amr and Paul John. So, so there's two connections here. You have your own personal connection to to Paul John from your previous life, which I'd like to talk about as well. But then there's a connection to the distillery from Amrut. So, 
I wonder if you can maybe first talk about the uh, the Amrut connection, and then I'd love to hear a bit of your history with with Paul John, if you don't mind. See, when uh, when I um, in my previous uh, the previous role that I was playing uh, yeah. before Indri was, I was heading the international business for Paul John. Yeah. Um, I I knew nothing about single malls uh, when <laughs> yeah. I um, talking about early 2010 11 uh, 12 right 2012 mm. to be precise I I know nothing about single malt whiskey I was a guy who was happily drinking blended whiskies made in India yeah and if I get uh, a Scottish blended whiskies that was like wow we're drinking a nice scotch today mm-hmm. right because it just gave you less hangover. Right, oh, okay. so that was the reason why you know a lot of people prefer scotches because it's it kind of gives you a little bit less hangover mm. even if you're drinking let's say a few pours extra, right? Yeah. Whereas the blended malts, uh, which is either from sugarcane molasses with a little bit of malt spirit, or from grain based with a little bit of malt spirit, is not as pure as a hundred percent or you know uh, yeah sure uh, or probably not distilled in copper pot stills. It must be distilled in column stills or whatever it is yeah. across right so the purer spirits and uh, it was a treat uh, but at that point of time itself we used to hear uh, an indian whiskey one um, mm. the third best whiskey in the world with yeah. uh, with the whiskey bible uh, we used to hear so much about amrut and uh, you know and what is this amrut what is this amrut right yeah. um, we're curious about it right we always did when i started taking a paul john and going around the market i could see amrut everywhere uh, right from uk to the us to europe yeah. and everywhere and i know that there's somebody who's put in a lot of hard work behind of course the distillery the people at the distillery mr surender who who's who's the first person to distill and you know mature and try and put together something like mm. I think, but I also believe that Ashok of Amrut has done a lot of job for the brand. Yeah. And um, when I was in Germany for doing uh, doing a market visit, mm. I see Ashok standing outside um, uh, a whiskey store. Yeah. And uh, we've we know each other, okay. uh, but we've not met. Uh, and more so, I know him because I've been looking him to looking up to him. Sure. Uh, so he was standing outside a shop and uh, you know, um, lighting up a cigarette and uh, you know he was he was just standing over there. So I I I was on a market visit with my importer and uh, you know, I said, oh, that's Ashok. I just walked up to him and I said, uh, sir, I'm from India, and uh, we have heard so much about Amrut and I'm a big fan of yours. Yeah. And Ashok is like caught by surprise. He's like, uh, he just thought I'm just another fan of Amrut, right? Who's probably uh, <laughs> living in German uh, Germany and doing something in Germany and just walking up. He said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah very nice, very nice. How are you? Um, you know, uh, what are you doing and uh, stuff like that. And I then after a bit of time, I told him that I'm Madhu from uh, Paul John, and yeah. then from that day. Uh, we are great friends. Oh, uh, you know, uh, we are great friends. We share yeah. a lot. We yeah. we do talk a lot. Um, uh, I, I like his ideologies. Uh, we mm-hmm. believe that uh, the Indian single malt as an industry should grow. Mm-hmm. Um, take the world should recognize that India can make quality single malts and uh, uh, you know show the world that yeah we are we are you know we are capable of doing um, yeah. something uh, which 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 is recognized worldwide. You know, yeah. both in terms terms of science and art um, and and i think we share same values when it comes to that yeah um, more so he's a great soul um, yeah. so that's that's mine and i was with paul john um, the second association with paul john i was with them till 2019 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an interesting journey with them because we we took Paul John from uh, almost uh, uh, just the UK to almost forty countries uh, uh, over a period of seven eight years. Yeah. Um, Mr. Paul himself. Forty countries. Yes, forty countries. Wow. Um, wow. And uh, Mr. Paul himself is a very hands-on person. Mm-hmm. So he 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 loves tasting and you know uh, he's kind of the person who mentors michael in making sure what kind of um, you know expression should come across yeah. um and uh, michael is a genius um yes. michael de souza the yeah, master yeah. distiller of yeah. all john he's a genius yeah. uh, very quiet guy uh, but i i always believe quiet people are naughty so <laughs> <laughs> so i keep pulling his leg um so uh, mr paul john who's the who's the founder of paul john mm-hmm. um, john distilleries and uh, michael have have lot to do for the brand and mm-hmm. just not them the entire team at paul john i think struggled they were hustling uh, to make sure that they can um, get the world the best of yeah. what india can produce um and therefore great respects for these two brands yeah sure uh, just not them there are other distilleries out of india making single malt whiskies the only um uh, the only thing that we hope uh, or i personally hope yeah. you know not associating with the, any other brand but just i personally hope is that every distillery that makes a single malt out of india upkeeps the the quality and whatever yeah. hard work uh, brands have put behind uh, years of hard working and telling the world that india can make great single malt whiskies right that's a really good point as it's it's a relatively newer category and you all need to be great to to lift your categories so far it seems you're doing an okay job with right, that right 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 <laughs> so uh one thing that i see a lot changing over yeah. the last 10 years of selling single malts around the world yeah is that i think right from the importers to distributors to retail owners are quite open uh, to a world category to an indian single malt yes. category yeah when i used to enter paul john for spirits competition 5 6 years ago there used to be a world whiskey category mm. today almost all the competitions have a world whiskey under which there's a whiskey for um you india, know japan. india japan yeah um okay. you know australia yeah um rest of the world mm. right uh so which says that uh the, the world has moved on right yeah. and even competitions be it be it whiskies of the world yeah. or anybody uh, you know uh, most of the competitions have a category for indian single malt separately for australian single malt separately wow. uh, for irish malt separately you know earlier it was let's say the bourbon irish scotland rest of the world yeah right now it's changed it's breaking right um and um israel right yeah. we talk about milk and honey right yeah, yeah. they've been doing some fantastic job so there's a category for israeli whiskies also that's popping up yeah so that shows that the world is slowly started accepting that hey there are there are good malts that can be produced everywhere in the world mm. and it's just a totally different style um and uh, we just need to be open uh, and that's what i really liked about you when i started this conversation i was just sharing yeah. it's about how open you are when you are just sipping the whiskey yeah. right and not saying that hey this is this is crap or this is not aged or this is yeah. uh, you know this is probably finished in this cask right yeah. uh, i think the moment we come with that prejudice uh, while handling you know while, while having a dram in our hand 
uh, we are blocking just not our senses yes but also closing our minds to some wonderful spirits around the world exactly yeah when you you come to it with a preconceived notion of what it could be or should be yeah this is a question that's been playing around in my mind for a while and this this isn't necessarily specific to you though I'm going to ask you for your experience when I think of distilleries that are working in warmer weather countries where you have angel shares of 10%, 12%, 14% and so on and so you're losing a lot of liquid and you run the chance of having a more astringent or tannic product if you don't get it out of cask in time how does that affect you from a logist from a logistics standpoint from you know of 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 creating a product and and needing to get it out there and selling it to countries knowing that you know like like a fruit you know whis- whiskey can be underripe, it could be ripe, and it could be overripe. And you need to manage your inventory and sell it before it gets overripe. So so how do you, is that something you think about? Is that something you, you deal with? I think that's the biggest worry for any distillery in India, Yeah. right? As to how do I get my liquid not overage, um, not get tannic, not mm. get uh, astringent so that it spoils the liquid and I'm not able to either use it for anything uh, or, you know, use it in my whiskeys across. Yeah. Uh, second thing, it's a big challenge because you're just creating a brand, right? Yeah, yeah. Amrut, it's been almost 15, 20 years and they've just, they're just, a, they're just I think they are a brand now, right? Yes. When you think about Indian single malts, I think people say Amrut, right? Yes. Um, I speak to people who have just tasted Amrut once in their life and then still they remember and say, when I talk, say I'm working for an Indian single malt, the first thing they ask is, are you working for Amrut, yes. right? Yeah. Um, so I think they have created that brand over these many years, all right? Um, but then they they had a capacity which was small, which mm. which which they expanded as they grew. And I think even today, everything that's produced out of Amrut is sold. Wow! Okay. Right. So yeah. the, 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 their distillation capacity and maturation capacity uh, meets their requirements of the market. Yeah. Um, now, for a slightly bigger distillery. Uh, uh, which has bigger production capacities, uh, which is more storage, it's going to be a challenge. Mm. Uh, and I think we that's one of the reasons why we still continue to sell our bulk malt spirits to yeah. other distilleries in India. Because if you're not using it at the right time, rather give it to somebody who can use it across. Yeah. Um, Going forward, it's going to be very uh, interesting and challenging for us to see mm-hmm. how we are going to manage uh, the uh, the spirits that are uh, you know aged um, and it's got that astringent quality. Um, what I think, this is my personal thought, mm-hmm. is to marry it with younger liquids, uh, younger age liquids, and sure. see what's happening across. Uh, Cross marry it with different kinds of casts to see how it changes and develops. Uh, lower the ABV at different percentage to see how that changes the quality of the whiskey um so i think these are a few things that i'm just um i'm I'm no i'm no blender i'm no distiller i i'm Mm. i'm not somebody who knows the science of it my job is to find markets and get the products across yeah Uh, but i think these are a few things that i think we should we should be doing um and um 
um, or, or switching, uh, you know, marrying a two-year and a seven-year and putting it into a totally different cask and see how they are evolving. Yeah. Um, so these are things that we should be doing and I'm sure we'll, we are doing certain things back in the distillery. But it's going to be a challenge. Uh, who knows, we may even have to empty some barrels just out in the drain. Um, <laughs> you know, if it turns so astringent yeah. uh, that we can't use it for anything. So that's a challenge that we will face and will continue to face. Uh, okay. We're getting close to our time here and there's a there's a question that we always get our interviewees out on but but I wanted to before we got there I wanted to talk quickly a bit about some of your your staff right your distiller and your blender so I'm looking at your your tin here and your master distiller is Graham Bowie I imagine that's David Bowie's nephew something <laughs> like this uh, and um and I cannot read his signature, but that is surrender from right. from Amrut. Right, right. Yeah. So can you can you talk a little bit about them? Right. Uh, very interestingly, um, uh, while I'm sure uh, the liquid Indri um, uh, Trini that we are having today mm-hmm. was distilled a long time back, because Trini is an average age of about six years. So we have a five, six, and a seven year old liquid yeah. that's married and put into the you know uh, put into a vat, and uh, you know we've bottled this uh, single walled. So I'm sure it was distilled long back. Uh, mm. Graham Bowie uh, uh, from Scotland, uh, who used to be with Tall and other distilleries in Scotland, oh, okay. um, joined us about a year ago okay. uh, to become our master distiller at the distillery. Um, oh my gosh, I've I've been to Tomantall or, or near there. The weather from Tomantall to the to weather, the weather <laughs> where your distillery is. And I think oh, I think you caught Graham. it right. I think it was difficult <laughs> for uh, for for us to retain Graham with yeah. us because it is totally different weather, culture, yeah. and people. Uh, so unfortunately, Graham had to leave us last couple of oh, months okay. back. There, the weather uh, killed him. The, the weather, weather killed, killed him. Yeah, him. He used to turn red in the distillery in the morning. He comes in, <laughs> right? Right. You go at eleven o'clock. He usually wears a very light yeah. dress and comes. But he's already sweating, and uh, you know he's he's done by by within two hours after he comes to the distillery. So I think Graham um, could not um, uh, survive that that intense uh, <laughs> thing. Although I think he he did his best to you know yeah. give give back to the distillery sure. whatever he could. And yeah. he's a great guy. I had yeah. had few conversations with him, and he's a great gentleman. Yeah. Um, uh, so Graham has left us, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, but Surinder stays with us. He's uh, currently uh, doing the job of the blender. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Surinder uh, was the founding, we used to call him the founding father of single malts in India yeah. because he was with Amrut right from day one, distilling and maturing and making sure wow. um, he was doing everything. So he brings with him a wealth of experience. Uh, he retired out of Amrut uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and he's uh, he's then been an independent consultant thereafter. Oh, okay. So then we had asked him to, to be our master blender and he kindly agreed on and uh, he's uh, it's his hands that's gone behind mm. creating uh, drawing the best of the barrels from our warehouse and yeah. putting them together to create um, this magnificent liquid I think uh, called Indri um, because it's very different we are we are we are probably the first distillery in India to come up with a triple wood finish um, uh, something yeah. which is filled in ex bourbon ex wine and ex PX cask and um 
uh, Surinder keeps telling that I've tr- tried to ensure that there is an adequate balance of all the three casks and none yeah. of the casks overpower the character over the other casks. So yeah, that's that's the ode to Surinder and yeah, that's that's how it is. Does does he talk about why that that marriage of those three particular casks? You know why why that was originally his recipe. So uh, we had different casks sitting when when the distillery was handed over yeah. to him, right? We had different casks sitting with our distillery. A few of them were uh, three years, a few of them were five years, a few of them were six years, seven yeah. years. So he uh, he said that I don't have the right liquid of just one cask to just launch an expression mm. of this cask, right? Yeah. And he also wanted to do something different. Uh, I mean, uh, let's say Paul John or Amrut has an ex-bourbon finish yeah, um, or an ex-PX finish, right? Um, so we wanted to do something which is very different. Yeah. Second, we wanted to have the right barrels and the right kind of liquid to do a pure ex-bourbon or an ex-wine and stuff like that. I thought Surinder felt confident in bringing three different liquids together and doing something which is very unique and different from mm. the other things just not to just stand amongst the other Indian dis, uh, distilleries yeah. but also to show the world that you, you you know we are a new distillery and the first expression we come up is a three word yeah. uh, which is putting the benchmark high uh, but I, th- I think that's what he believes in and, and he's done a good job I feel so uh, it, I, I think the, the whiskey is fantastic I really I was texting earlier with a friend, you know, I, I can't get over how expressive it is and and how confident it is. It, it really, it, it's a whiskey that feels like it, it knows what it wants to do and it tells you what it's going to do. It's not hiding anything. Like nuance comes out and we've experienced that earlier in, in the tasting and maybe adding a little bit of water, but there's not a bit of shyness to this whiskey in any way. And, and this is the only injury I've had. So, so I need to experience more to maybe understand where that's coming from. But I think when I think of the, the blend that surrender has put together with the red wine, the PX and the bourbon and those red wine casks don't make the whiskey taste just like wine. It's the fruit from the wine. I don't know if you have opinions on that, how, how that's able to be accomplished. There's so few distilleries where I've tasted their whiskey that's been matured in wine where the whiskey doesn't just taste like high-octane wine. And I, and I wonder if you have opinions on that, if you know how you're able to accomplish that, and maybe that's a secret that Surinder has. Oh, I think uh, we should do a separate podcast with Surinder and get all the secrets yeah. out. Oh, okay. Does he not tell you much? Oh, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, we, we spend a very little time together. Yeah. Because um, he stays in the distillery and the distillery is far from the office where we sit. Mm. And I get to visit the distillery once in a while. And then I try to speak to him the whole day like a kid who's asking yeah. his father, uh, what's that? What is this? Why is that? Why is this? Yeah. And he, like a father, explains patiently, patiently oh, okay. that, hey, this is this Madhu, this is this Madhu. Yeah. Oh, it's it's nice that you're asking me this question. And he's one person who's never uh, come back to me uh, with no answer, right? Mm. He, we ask him, he's always there to yeah. uh, think. So I think I need to be more of the curious child uh, for me to learn more about yeah. that. Yeah, so that's that's something that I think I need to learn. Um, yeah. There. Um, you know, just, just, just brings that 
um this brings that uh, responsibility in me to learn more about what's happening yeah it's you know i've asked this question of uh tomer goren at at mnh because they have their elements red wine which does not taste winey uh, it's earthy and i i asked him why and and he he kindly explained that they're using israeli wines and and is the grapes used for Israeli wines are completely different. I forget the varietal he mentioned, but it's a wine you simply don't find. It's a grape you simply don't find being used to make wine outside of Israel and maybe other, other you know, uh, Middle Eastern countries that may make wine. I don't know if there are any, but it is very Israeli. And, uh, and he said, because of this grape, it, 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 the whiskey doesn't come across as whiny. And it, there's so much. There's so much to learn, and so I maybe I'll I'll take you up on the idea of of inter- interviewing Surrender, and uh, and see if he if he has his thoughts on it, and I'll pick his brain as well. You you be the the curious child on your side, and I'll be the curious child over here. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, you are already a curious child, Joshua. I, I know. Say. I'm definitely a child. And, and you're just sure. like the curious case of uh, Benjamin Button. I think it's a curious <laughs> case of Joshua Hatton over here, right? Uh, you just you're just growing younger the day. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. What did you say about my? Pi- I love this. You saw my keeper of the quake <laughs> picture, and you said, "Who's that?" Grumpy fat guy. Yeah, I just so said, the, who's this grumpy, uh, you know, grumpy old man who's old. Uh, who's handling is holding the quake and he's the national sales manager of of Impex Portfolio. And I'm like, would I be even able to talk to him? Or he's like, oh, the snobbish guy who's like, oh, I'll send you the reports. Don't even talk to me. Yeah. And I see you, and I'm like, oh, who's this cool guy? You know. And and that was a surprise for me. And the last two days. Um, uh i i must say joshua that uh, this it's a lot of bonding that's gone over mm. here um i mean what work is something that we do yeah uh, i think the relationship is something that that's totally different Agreed. um and i respect it and uh, looking forward to drink a lot more single malts and bourbons and rice and whatnot around the world and yeah. learn about them through you, you know? Yeah. And and learn about them with you as well. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Final question for you. As you look toward the future, now I know you, you talked about this, you, you hinted at this distillery in, in Scotland uh, but but as you as you look toward the the future, the next two years, three years, five years, what has you excited? You know whether it's about Indian single malt as as a category or or about injury as a brand. What what has you excited? What are the potentials? Um, one, I think Indian single malt uh, over the next two two and a half three years will establish even more. As a category, yeah. Um, but what I'm excited about Indri is Indri's got a lot of potential, right? We're sitting at forty thousand barrels, and we, as a distillery, are yet to discover what lies inside those forty thousand barrels, mm. um, right? What's the kind of liquid in that forty thousand barrels? Yeah. What can we play with? What we cannot play with? Yeah. Um, the company is constantly investing on new casks, port casks, mm-hmm. um, casks from different parts of the world, so that we could produce something new 
right peated ones right oh uh, yeah so um so there is a lot that's going to come out um from the distillery hmm. and i'm sure surendra is already working a lot of things in his mind and is not telling out because he just wants to make sure that it comes out well before yeah. he shares it with us right yeah. um so i think we as a distillery have a great future um uh, the piccadilly distilleries because um firstly we have uh, uh, um and uh, mr siddarth who's the who's the chairman of the company mm-hmm. the current chairman of the company uh, has got good vision right uh, he listens to what's happening around him yeah he listens to what's happening in the world right in the space of this so he's quite open so i think uh, with a leader who's quite open to listen mm-hmm. a lot of things can change yeah. or a lot of things can happen and then we have a very small but passionate team working behind yeah. the brand every single person i see has got a lot of passion um and so i think important. that's that's yeah. that's very important for yeah. for a brand to grow and i i see that passion uh in the team at amrut mm-hmm. i have seen that passion in the team uh, at paul john yeah and i find the same passion in the team at indri as well yeah uh, because a couple of guys at amrutha that i have personally known surinder uh, ashok um, mm-hmm. there is a guy called pramod mm-hmm. um, uh, so these guys i i know that uh, you know i've seen from the team and mr rakshit uh, who's the current uh, mr jagdale who's the, pa- the father who found the distillery mm-hmm. it's their son rakshit jagdale uh, so all these guys are a bunch of passionate guys yeah uh, they're passionate about what they do um in the paul john team there are a couple of people right mr paul john michael mm-hmm. uh, there was a gentleman called himanshu who hit the marketing and a couple of people we are very passionate about what mm-hmm. we did mm-hmm. um um in in indri i have i have a team uh, who has a gentleman called prabkaran who takes care of the domestic market there's a guy called nathan in my team i'm mentioning these names because um they are doing a lot for the brand uh, which none of us really don't see yeah um and we have a team of people right the warehouse keeper in our distillery mm-hmm. um i have a lot of people who do does a lot of things for the brand so i think there's a bunch of passionate people behind the whole team at each of these distilleries yeah. including indri and that's why i believe that um it's not a job it's not a distiller's job or it is not a you know distillery manager job it is mm. it's 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 we owning the liquid at every step i think uh, that's 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 what i see uh, with all these distilleries in common and with the indian single malts uh, that's pretty much in common um so I yeah that. i think i think we have a road ahead of us it's the passion it's it's the pride the pride on the canister i i love it yeah, i love yeah. it all so I, i'm excited i'm excited to be part of the team bringing it into the us sharing it with uh with americans um it's going to be exciting so i'm looking forward to growing with you I'm looking forward to traveling with you more drinking with you more and uh and learning with you more right beautiful josh all right thanks so much for the same cheers thank you thank you listening back to to our conversation and specifically back to us tasting the whiskey together there was this one note that i that i loved madhu talking about and it reminded me of you in that <laughs> you know i i asked him you know is is there like a key note that you think of when when you talk about indri whiskies when you when, whether it's the the trini bottling or if it's some of the single casks right you know what what's that one note that always jumps out at you 
And he said, damp rugs. Hey. And I thought about you because in and of itself. <laughs> I have ruined a few rugs in my day, I'll tell you. <laughs> was it rug pissers? It was woo. Woo pissed on the rug. Anyway, what I loved about that note is in and of itself, that sounds like a note that no one should just utter. Yeah, right. Right? <laughs> Line up for my damp rug whiskey. <laughs> However, you are famous for using, <laughs> like, you know, clean urinal or, or you know, like bandages. No, Freshly granted, new fresh tub. bandages. Oh, and, yeah, you hospital know, bandages. And things like that. Yeah. And the, these are, like, phrases that yeah. in and of themselves you say, ooh, geez, really? But they have certain elements to them when combined with everything else going on. Yeah. They help to yeah. offset other things and, and can be a, a pleasant thing, right? And so the damp rug note made me think of <laughs> made me think of growing up after my mom and dad divorced, you know, but like here's a here's a theme, here's the theme of the podcast. My mom Wonderful and dad got divorced. Uh we'll call back to divorce. <laughs> Um, you know, every Sunday, my mom would drop me off uh, at my grandparents' house, especially, it was mostly in the summers, right? I'd, I'd stay over Sunday night and, you know, in, into the Monday. But I would stay downstairs. They had this finished, like, old, musty basement, which yep. I loved. And underneath the bed that I slept in were these <laughs> cubbies that had these old, dusty, musty, Afghans, you know, hand knitted Afghans, and uh, you're laughing at me. Oh my gosh! And uh, not Afghan people, Jason. The the warm, yes, okay. My my grandparents were not housing dusty Afghan people. They were they were <laughs> The images being thrown out right now are just layering one on top of the other. But there was something so incredibly comforting about those afghan uh blankets and it's it's just something when he said that it brought me back to my own childhood and of course right and that was what turned me on to whiskey in the very beginning in 2004 or 5 whatever year it was when i tasted lagavulin for the first time and i was transported back to camping with my dad and in the campfire and the soil and the the autumn leaves mm -hmm. and, and right and so when he said damp rug i instantly connected that to you know musty afghans and, and i'm transported back yet again and that's that's the beauty of a tasting note like that and in the beauty of whiskey in general because it can it transports you back in time right it's it's not just something that gets you from point a to point b it, it will Give you oh, a time capsule. A hundred percent. The question that I've got for you, and, and I was alluding to this as we went into the interview and then you, you tasted in the interview, you and I traditionally have not been fans of malt whiskey in red wine mm. casks. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's the occasional Glen Murray comes along and, and really pleasantly surprises us. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Um, Right, P Penderin has had some success there, I, I think. Mm -hmm. And I alluded to M and H going in, and now here we are with with Indri. Why do you think 
there's success with red wine in this instance? I really think it's a bit of a balancing act for Surrender to put this together. Kind of like that that damp rug note that Madhu talks about. It's only pleasant when it's balanced out by something else, right? When I taste Indri and I think of the red wine, I'm not getting a whininess at all. I'm getting a fruitiness, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily Mm -hmm. convinced it is a red wine-driven fruitiness. I almost wonder if the red wine casks give you more access to uh, the French oak, right? Because it's Bordeaux wine. So they're using French oak. I, I don't know if they're using exclu- exclusively limousine, limousin. I don't know how it's pronounced, um, oak. So I, I think in part it's more access to that wood, potentially due to the climate. Do you know? One thing you mentioned was that that massive um, shift in temperatures from winter to summer. You can go from zero degrees Celsius or 32 degrees Fahrenheit in the winter to 122 degrees Fahrenheit (laughs) or 50 degrees Celsius in the summer. And (laughs) and so (laughs) when we think of scotch whiskeys that are sometimes matured in red wine casks, quite often it tastes like high-octane red wine. But if Mm -hmm. you taste the M&H red wine cask, it's different and it has a similar climate to India. So part of me wonders that. But then mm-hmm. if I think back to our conversation with uh, Tomer and Tal, they talk about the Israeli red wine that previously was in that cask, the, the cask that they use, and the grape in and of itself is a very earthy, uh, vegetal style of wine mm. that isn't, isn't really whiny. It's more earthy. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a Mediterranean grape. And so, I, you know, I wonder if, if for m and is a combination of the climate and the grape, and if for Indri it's a combination of the climate and a good balancing act between the red wine, between the PX, and between the bourbon. Yeah, that's good. I like that answer. It's certainly something worth exploring and worth paying attention to yeah. uh, as, as we start putting it across our own palates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good. That's a good note going on in there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a great interview. Uh, really fascinating. Learning more about a a new distillery. <laughs> that's why we're here. That's why we do this episode after episode. Is is what can we learn about? What can our listeners learn about with us? Yeah, yeah. This has been a good season. Season six is is ticking along very nicely. The last thing that I'll say, and and we discussed it in the interview, and this was. You know, every once in a while I ask you, what what during the conversation surprised you about this person or about that distillery? Now, you weren't part of this conversation, um, so I couldn't ask you before we, we went into listening to it. But during the various uh, training sessions we had, he talked about the size of their distillery, the, the size of their output, which is 12,000 liters per day. And they run... 24-7. So they're at about 4.5-ish million liters of spirit per year. And I, I keep on bringing this up. By comparison, 
Kalila is 7 million liters of spirit per year, but typically run about 4 million liters of spirit. And that's the smoky backbone to the biggest blend, Johnny Walker Black. And so you have this distillery that no one's heard of that's been producing malt whiskey to go into blends for years and years that's producing just as much liquid as Kalila is. And so just think about that from from the standpoint of the growth we could be seeing from Indri and the various bottlings that we can be getting from them. It's it's it really it's exciting for me as someone with impacts, but taking that hat off, it's exciting to me from the perspective of the growth of Indian single malt as a category. Yeah, you and I talked about it and not too distant extra extra where the SWA Scotch Whiskey Association seem to have their eyeballs on getting into the Indian market Mm -hmm. this year Uh, and if not this year 2023 and just looking at numbers like a 10% increase uh, Mm -hmm. in access to the Indian market would result in this exponential financial reward Um, and so the the sheer number of bottles of whiskey that are being sold in India within its home mm-hmm. market mm-hmm. is mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah. Yep. And so for us to be encountering a distillery that we've never heard of that runs that type of capacity makes perfect sense mm-hmm. from within its home market. But for them to be getting into export, like Amra, like Paul John, it's excellent and to see a rising category is really cool as well and you and i have you know gosh we've been championing american single malt whiskey Mm -hmm. in recent weeks and months but we've also championed world whiskey yes and really excited to see individual markets grow within world whiskey as well so yeah i'm 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 excited as always, you know, when we get out and we get these interviews conducted and we learn about new things, it's always exciting. I know that we have no news to discuss. We, we've we've shared all the news that was fit to print in our last episode about the um, about the whiskeys that had come in. Oh, oh, you do have, have something. It's absolutely. I know you'll ask the question. It's absolutely not worth waking up the paper boy. I'll just pop it right here for our American based listeners. Okay. Is we received an email to the info account. Somebody had been looking to make their first order, and. We've spoken so much and for so long on this podcast slash podcast <laughs> about our $10 flat rate shipping fee Yes, that when they went to place their order and it was a $15 flat rate shipping fee, they wondered what was going on. And so to lay it down in the podcast <laughs> as of August 1 yeah. of 2022... Single Cast Nation online in the United States moved to a $15 flat rate shipping fee to absorb some of the additional costs that we've been seeing from our 
UPS shipper uh, across the United States. The, uh, so yeah. it was seven good years. Yeah, I really liked how you how you said to absorb some of the some. cost, right? If, <laughs> some. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's we're we've we've been really proud of ten dollars flat rate for the past seven years, and in some cases. It's been incredibly beneficial. Like right now, we have five different bottlings on our website. So people could have bought, you know, five of each. Get 25 bottles, $10 flat shipping. Now it's now it's $15, right? So what's that? I think our shipper will have a heart attack if we see an order for 25 <laughs> bottles come in. How does one ship 25 bottles? Answer, carefully. Yeah. So, yeah, very so there you go. So I wanted to put a marker because I know there are people catching up and some people are completionists and started with episode one. And so mm-hmm. they've been maybe hearing $10 for <laughs> the length of our, uh, of our history here. Yeah. And so now we've put a marker in the sand, 15. And here's where we start tracking the girth of our podcast right before it was the length now we're right am i doing this right that's it it goes all i know is it goes all the way around (laughs) Uh, so there you go i wanted to drop that and then just one more thing along those lines is that the price of whiskey is increasing like i you and i talk about this all the time we buy from stores we buy online we Mm. buy from Mm -hmm. plenty of producers who are not us we're seeing prices increasing continually and as we go into ond i'm sure we're going to see prices increase for october november december the the traditional buying months we continue to fight tooth and nail for pricing that reflects what we were doing 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and we're not always able to pull that off because it's a big big ask Uh but that's our goal that that sticks with us and just like we were able to hold on to the 10 dollar flat rate shipping fee for as long as we did, we're still trying to hold on in some places to our more traditional pricing. Mm-hmm. But there are times when we get good casks at different pricing and we still think it holds value. Yeah. I, we, haven't <laughs> we haven't put out anything that we thought was a ripoff or that we wouldn't buy. Well, it gets back to... Is this something we would open our wallets for and neither of us are wealthy people, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so does, does, it, does it taste good and would we be willing to open up our own wallets? And, and there you go. So if, we, if we're done with this, we don't need the paperboy news, but here's 10 minutes of news, news, then... <laughs> that was five minutes. It was a tight five. <laughs> I thought it would be smart for you and I to do another blind barrels tasting because we got we got four samples and we've been through two of them. You you blind tasted me on one and then I blind tasted you on one, or was it vice versa? Did I blind taste you and then you blind tasted me? How does it, how does we that work? Both blind tasted at the same time. Oh, we blind tasted together. All right, let's do that. So let's let's pick one. So we have tasted sample A and we have tasted sample C. And so if I'm correct, that leaves us B and D. Joshua, I'm going to shuffle these two envelopes in my hand. The one in my left hand is number one. The one in my right hand is number two. Do you want You have number two in your hand? Easy, Uh, easy. It's the Madonna. (laughs) 
you know what? I'm going to go with number two. You have picked letter B, the letter second B. letter of the alphabet. All so we have right. D for the last time out. D for the last time. Okay, so we're not opening that yet. Put sample B letter to the side. That is to the side. We are breaking out our sample. So this is B, you said? Okay, so, all right. I like how you asked me that question while I was away from the microphone. <laughs> oh, this looks like the darkest to date. Which it does. Jess loves it when we talk color on the podcast. Look at look how dark this one is, Jess. Look at this one. Look at the color on this, Jess. <laughs> I just love that the one person who is colorblind likes to talk about the color on the liquid. <laughs> a was the lightest. Yeah. C was a, a hair darker than A, and now B is darker than both. Okay. And so A was the Hakushu 12. C was the SCN Ben Nevis six, <laughs> and now B. So so again, and if this yeah, any listeners who are listening to us do these blind tastings for the very first time, mm. we of course got both of them correct. Uh, any anybody who has listened to those tastings, <laughs> just just play along, just just quietly quietly play along. Allow so, us a little bit of indulgence. So just really quickly, Blind Barrels, um, they, they are, by the way, they are not a paid av- advertiser. We don't have any paid advertisement here. Uh, but they're friends of the podcast. Uh, that's C-Bass. why we're not rich men, Joshua. Why, oh, God damn it. See if that's we why did we're not that. rich men. Mm. Anyway. Oh, we'd be on easy street. So Seabass, who we've mentioned on the podcast many a time, is with Blind Barrels. And um, they're, they're a company you can... Order blind samples from their website. They'll ship them to you, and you get to discover them just through nose, taste, and color. And then the reveal is afterwards. And so anyway, Seabass, as the company was launching, sent us our own sample packs. But these are samples from his own collection, not correct, not from Blind Barrels, because he didn't want us to potentially give away anything that Blind Barrels was officially doing. Correct. Yeah. All right. So, and you should be able to find them at blindbarrels.com. So, this is interesting. Have you been nosing while I've been yammering? I've been thoroughly enjoying mm. the nose on this while you've been yammering. All right. So, what have you been getting on the nose? This nose is so good. I've only heard every third word you've uttered. Oh, wow. That's, that's my everyday. I knew the places to, to interject. Um, well, actually, before we get to, to nose notes, I do want to talk about the texture. Okay. Because the legs on the glass are spectacular. Yeah. Absolutely spectacular. So we're dealing with something very, very viscous. Have you have you gauged the color? Do you want to do you want to give it a moniker? I would go with a with a dark orange, dipping into burnished copper. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I was just going to go with clover honey. Oh, also good. Yeah. Yes, also yep. good. Yep, so ni- yeah. nice deep golden color. Yeah. The nose, yeah. Definitely texture on the nose. So you're getting good nasal texture. I am indeed. There's a bright... There's a presence. There's a... Pre- yeah, but there, a presence and a, a delicate prickliness on the nose. Which which makes me think poten- either higher alcohol or maybe there's something going on, 
like initially when I smell this, this does not smell like malt whiskey. And so I'm thinking, I wonder if there may be a grain driven, a mash bill driven brightness on the nose. Bubbles are suggesting 56 or 58 to me. Oh, man. How do you do this stupid bubble thing again? I don't know how any of that works. It's more art than science. And mm. I think in the... Was it in the A? Did I get it very wrong? I, there's one of them. I, oh, actually, I think it was our our own Ben Nevis. Oh, I don't yeah. think held the bubbles. Well, you're never going to look at bubbles and think 67.6. <laughs> bubbles are never going to tell you that story. But I think at, at its age, I think it maybe ran away quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, so I'm not getting a I'm not getting the prickle that you're talking about, but I am getting a warmth from it, like this enveloping warmth to go along with this nasal texture. Huh. Yeah, this is interesting. It it's changed my my initial smell. I'm thinking, okay, th- this almost smells like an American whiskey. Like it it didn't smell like malt to me like maybe not american but it smelled like a mixed mash bill whiskey not single malt so you took the very question out of my mouth which was given what you were saying earlier in today's episode about being at caden heads nosing the blind paul john and saying this is an indian whiskey and knowing that it wasn't scottish single malt it was a, a region outside of that and then indian beyond that in putting my nose in here, I'm thinking, okay, is this the aroma of scotch? Is this the aroma of single malt? Mm. Uh, is this American single malt? Like I'm, I'm a little bit beggared, as they say, on the beggared. on the region of this. <sighs> All right, I asked Tickety Boo, and you couldn't tell me what that is. What's beggared? Uh, I don't know. It comes from the expression to beggar belief. Like, oh, that beggar's belief. Like, it's, it, beggar is different from those who would beg for money. But, yeah, beggar's belief. I've never heard beggar's belief. I've heard, you, you know, know. It, it begs the question, but I've never heard beggar's belief. Which is belief. a very different, yeah, that's a much more precise philosophical mm. term than it's come to be used. If you get me on to beg the question, I really could talk for 30 minutes. So, mm. let's get back to okay, yeah, yeah. let's I'm, get back to that question of, of regionality, because I think it's an interesting one. So first off, back to the nose, um, I'm getting a lot of uh, licorice going on here. I wouldn't call it all sorts, but, but <laughs> just straight up black salted licorice going on. Yes. See, for me, there was the warmth of it extended to brown licorice all sorts. Hmm. It's funny. They were always the ones I left in the bag growing up. And now as I, as I go through whiskeys, I'm like, oh, that's brown licorice also. Oh, that's brown licorice also. And it's all things that oh, I love. Those are the ones that I loved because it had the, the coconut going on along with that sort of hard sugary fondant, you know. Do you, do you think this is American? The more I nose it, the more unidimensional it becomes. Isn't that you're, the same for you? The things that it does, it does well, but it's not doing a laundry list of things. Mm-mm. Yeah, at, at first nosing, it said, I'm American whiskey. And now it's saying, I'm whiskey. You mm-hmm. know, and, and not necessarily 
giving me the clues. So I'm watching you nose this, and I'm, I currently have my hand over my glass just to sort of reconcentrate the, the alcohol that's been evaporating. Emphasis on glass. Hand over his glass. I'm tasting it. Oh, you're going in? All right, all right. I, I, I have to. This is one of those moments where I think tasting it will then develop the nose. Okay, so... So while you taste that, just so people are aware, and this is a reminder for people, this is how Jason and I typically taste, is we will take the first sip and ignore the flavors completely. We're gauging texture to see what, what that's doing. And, oh. and then the second oh. sip, is gonna we're going to talk about flavor. So go. Go ahead and taste this. Yeah, okay. Go and taste right. it, yeah. Oh, the, the nose, though, really quickly, back to the nose, I'm getting this dusty, musty kind of bourbon-y quality mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've got some more orange finding its way in here, almost um, oh, okay. dark chocolate with orange peels. Oh, okay. So that that really, it tastes like a bourbon to me. It tastes like a younger yeah. bourbon. If you were to tell me this was maybe like a a Kentucky spirit, like a wild turkey Kentucky spirit, I would believe you. Mm. There's a, a, a slight nuttiness going on in there. It's nice on the palate. It's a, it's a very pleasing sipper. I think the alcohol becomes a little more drying on the palate, mm. a little drying to the sides of the tongue. Inside of the cheeks, mm. it de- it definitely did add a, a component to the nose for me, which was nice. Mm. Yeah, so that orange that I mentioned yeah. a moment ago came after tasting it. Oh, there you go. As it's drying, it's uh okay. Let's return to another sip of this. It completes the circle. I like that. I, that goes down easy. Oh, and and going back to the nose. Now I'm getting. Lemongrass. I'm getting orange, juji fruit, sweet nut, sweetness to it. Slight herbaceousness going on in that nuttiness. Slight herbaceousness. Agreed. Right. Yep. Agreed. Uh, delicate nuttiness. So the the only mm. one we have to protect our our glass on. I'm I'm putting my hands over my own glass here. Is if if this is SCN Wild Turkey or this is SCN Light Whiskey. That would be the only way we can embarrass ourselves here if we can't name our own product. So I, I am going to go out on what I feel is <laughs> not a very long limb. I, I feel as if... I've heard that about you. <laughs> this, is, this limb is a good size. Um, yeah, what's the girth on that? <laughs> I just know it goes all the way around. Um, <laughs> exactly. <ta-da! laughs> uh, this is not light whiskey. This There's... This is not light whiskey. I'm not getting. Oh, I love it when you make the declaratives. It makes me so happy. Oh, you're making me so happy right now, Joshua. And I don't necessarily believe this to be an SCN wild (laughs) turkey only because. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's a bit too easy. Uh, I love it when you commit the words. I love it. I know you could <laughs> potentially take all of this in post, but no, I won't. I won't. I'm happy to embarrass myself. No, I I agree with you. There are. 
I feel like there have been turkey casks that we've sampled at the distillery mm-hmm. for for potential selection that have done exactly what this does, which is you say that's well produced whiskey yeah. that is very drinkable, and, and even more than that, not not even whiskey. This is well produced bourbon that is very drinkable. But but I know you and I go back and forth on darker spices in our wild turkey selections. Mm. Sometimes the the older turkey funk, sometimes an herbaceousness. We did say a wee bit of herbaceousness mm. in here. Now I don't I don't think this is one of our SCN turkeys. If this turns out to be a whiskey jubilee turkey, however. So this whole time we've only been talking about turkey. Uh, you know, uh-huh. it could be another producer. Now, uh-huh. my own palate's understanding of what Buffalo Trace tends to put out, what Heaven Hill tends to put out, this doesn't seem to fit that profile from the from the various bottlings that they do. The only one that's potentially tripping me up, potentially, is it could be McKenna. Because it is softer on the palate, and McKenna has always been kind of soft for me, 50% it is alcohol. Soft, there's no doubt. Here's the thing with McKenna, though. That whiskey has never just sat with me. I've always kind of just found it to be too simple. And I don't think that this whiskey hmm. is simple enough to be McKenna. I think there's a bit too much going on. And so, and so the reason why I say... I. T- you know, I'm questioning it is once I discovered I didn't particularly love McKenna for my palate, I just stopped buying it. So I think the last McKenna bottling I got will have been in 2013 or something like that, right? So it's been a while. I've always liked McKenna. That yeah, was always I know. I one really, that I pick up going into Kentucky. and Yeah, which is why I've always questioned your palate, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a good run. What what do you what are the chances? And and I'm I'm gonna go back. Listen, I, I've made no secret about it. My my bourbon palate is incredibly limited. I, I I I don't know you know really individual differences. Yeah. I do know Turkey though from 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 being you know in those warehouses and hanging out with Eddie and and Bruce and having a great time over there. What are the chances? Mm. of this being a wild turkey rare breed. I don't think that there's a good chance of that at all. I, I don't think there's enough alcohol here to bring it to that level. Rare breed's always bigger. But I did have a fleeting thought here. Because of the color, I'm thinking young. Because of the overall flavor development, mm-hmm. I'm thinking younger. I wonder if this may be a new riff, which I really like. In part because, you know, back to, we use this example all the time, back to Kilhoman, where you get to, you know, follow them along and watch them evolve. Um, you know, I feel as if I've been doing that with New Riff, getting new bottlings here and there to watch how they progress. And it's been great. And I loved what they've been doing. So I wonder if this is maybe a new Riff. Have you had enough new Riff? I mean, you have the two... Rare Bird 101 bottlings, but 
but I don't know if you've yep. had new riff beyond those two bottlings. I haven't. I have not. And I know that I know that mm-hmm. Bill Thomas at, at Jack Rose is really into them as well. And I think yeah, I've actually is. got a Jack Rose new riff as well. Okay. And I got one for you. Oh, you got one for me? Nice. Uh, All right. I, is that the reveal? I gave it to you years ago. Yeah, don't don't pretend it's in my house. It's in yours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got no space in my house for anything else. All right. So are you opening right, it so and let's... I'm not opening it? Um yeah, yeah, let me let me go ahead. Oh, okay. Because you you've at least me. you've yeah, at least yeah. made you've at least made guesses, whereas I really I'm I'm <laughs> pretty convinced this is bourbon. Yes, and as am I. I don't think I, it can be. I would like I would like for it to come from our friends at Wild Turkey, but let's see if you're if you're accurate with your new riff guess. I, I would even give you credit for your earlier um Kentucky spirit. What was it you said? Kentucky spirit. So yeah. I, I would even give you credit for that. So All right. let's have a little look. I tell you, I, I, I like it. Whatever it is. I do like it. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit simple, but I, but I enjoy it. Yeah, it, it's the best of answers because you are both right and wrong, which always makes me happy. Okay, so, so start. Give us a little. <laughs> Don't tell bit. me where to start. <laughs> Don't tell me where to start. <laughs> okay, let's ABV. I said fifty six to fifty eight. Mm-hmm. It's fifty four point five. Okay, so there you go. The mash bill is... What, <laughs> as wait, as I tell what, what you, does that do for ABV? Yeah. I mean, what does that do for proof? Because it's a bourbon, like we got to put it into proof terms. Uh, so imagine it was 55, it would be 110, and then take off one. So it's 109. 109, 54.5. Okay. So 109 proof for your bourbon people. Mm-hmm. Can't believe I asked for Aged, proof. Jesus Christ. All right, go ahead. I know, I know. <laughs> I didn't expect that to be a question. Uh, the age statement is a minimum of nine years. Oh, wow. Okay. Minimum of nine years. 109 proof, 54.5%. So it's not a Russell's <laughs> reserve because that's always 55%. Oh, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't isn't the rye fifty four point five? We got the distillery right, or I did. If and you did it, you got the distillery yeah. right earlier. Yeah, we got the style wrong. So this is wild turkey rye. <laughs> wow! Look at that. This is this is Masters Keep Cornerstone Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey Batch zero 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 one, and the. Mash bill is presumed, it's not available, it's presumed to be 51% rye, 37% corn, and 12% barley. Right, so so I think that explains why it doesn't come off very rye-like. But, okay, <laughs> I, I, have, I have something I want to say before I say please that. Say no, no, no. Please say, I'll, please I'll, say whatever you need to say. I'm going to pour more. I, <laughs> I want to I want to hear some tasting notes. I want to see if any of the tasting notes we had aligned with um, what's written on the sheet. Okay, and then you're going to remember what you were going to say. Oh after. yeah, 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 okay. yeah. The aroma: spicy graham cracker, All right. licorice. There we go. Medicinal cherry, 
ginger mm-hmm. nilla wafers. Is that how you pronounce that? Nilla, yeah. As in okay. vanilla. Got it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Seasoned oak, candied lemon peel, green apple. So they weren't getting any of the orange. I, I definitely got the orange peels mm. in dark chocolate going on for me. Mm-hmm. Tasting notes, cinnamon stick. So they've got both spicy graham cracker on the nose and cinnamon stick on the on the palate. Okay. They've got a real spice going on yeah, there. Yeah. That I, I don't you said a little prickle on the nose to begin with, but then that dissipated. It did dissipate, but you know, fifty four point yeah. five. All right. All right. So cinnamon stick, black tea dryness. Oh, there I you talked go. about you did the, talk about that. the drying yeah. on the palate there. Black pepper, clove, brandied cherry. So that's following on from the medicinal cherry and the aroma. Brandy cherry and oak sap. And then the finish for them, leather, ancho chili, rye spice, and clove. So I know maple tree has sap. I've never heard of oak sap before. Oak sap. Huh. There you go. Unless they're talking about a sap made from oak, like a sap that the police would use and hit you over the head with. (laughs) Sounds like a trademark. (laughs) Their take... This is the this is the blind barrels take. Who are the only independent bottlers of wild turkey products? That's right. They're the ones reading this. <laughs> I re- I recall Jason drinking the wild turkey 81 proof rye in an earlier One Nation Under Whiskey mm. episode and I just knew you had to try the pinnacle of wild turkey rye whiskey. And he spells whiskey with a knee and then says, sorry, that's how it's on their label. We accept that. Fair. And then at Seabass himself writes, I savor every drop of this. And so huh. sharing that, giving us the chance to do the blind tasting on that. I love, love, love that there's a distillery thread there. Yes. Even though we got the style wrong, I love the fact that this tasted like Turkey. It did taste like turkey. I, I think yep. that's... Yep, we were, we were <laughs> now, both there. Now to, <laughs> now, to a man with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. And to somebody with Jason's knowledge of bourbon, every answer is wild turkey. It's, it's like the old Trivial Pursuit game, the golf question. If you knew nothing about golf, yeah. the answer was either Arnold Palmer or Jack Nicholas. Yeah. Like just just use those two for any golf question and you would invariably you know, be more right than wrong. <laughs> so wild turkey is my answer and I stand by it. Yeah, well, it, it did taste like turkey to me, which is, which is interesting, right? Because the mash bill was different, but it just kind of really screamed turkey. So it's interesting. Except for when it screamed in your well, that's just because I, I like casting doubt. Like I, I like I, I wanna write, I wanna cover the bases, but it, it's interesting. It makes me wonder is that turkey thread not necessarily so grain driven as it might be still driven, yeast driven, fermentation driven? Maturation driven, right? Because the thread was there, like we we both felt somewhat confident that it was wild turkey and it ended up being wild turkey. But so this is what I was going to say before. Mm-hmm. I bought the cornerstone when it came out, and anytime I pour cornerstone for myself, like like sea bass, I savor every drop of it. 
but my experience of it pouring it from the cornerstone bottle versus pouring it from a sample bottle totally different i f- mm. i almost felt as if it was better out of the cornerstone bottle than it was out of the sample bottle and it just goes to show you how the brain works it mm-hmm. puts more mm-hmm. importance on something when it knows specifically what it is and i'm thinking and I've told this story to you. I've told this story to our listeners before. When we moved into the house that I'm in now, the week before I was doing a bottle emptying party and mm-hmm. John Kaz was there and my buddy Johnny Van was there and a bunch of other people. And there was this dude, Joe, there who is a self-proclaimed bourbon fanatic. And so what I did is I had an older bottle, like the old dumpy um, 10-year-old uh, old Rip Van Winkle bottlings mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I put that in a paper bag <laughs> along with some other and ones I right? took it to the sidewalk <laughs> and I took it to and I sat on the curb <laughs> and I drank it all down sweet sweet medicine <laughs> <laughs> and that whiskey was the least favorite wow yeah but if people had known what it was it would have mm-hmm, been mm-hmm. the favorite and so I just mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this wild turkey is a lesser whiskey. I'm saying... No, it's delicious. It's, it's, it's delicious. Right? I said, I'm, I love it, whatever it is. I think it's very good. But my point is, it's amazing what your brain does when it, when it realizes it has to put things into specific categories. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Look at the conversation you and I have had previously about pouring Lagavulin 16 from the smoky bottle. And pouring it from a sample, a clear sample bottle, yeah, yeah. or a, a decanted yeah. clear bottle, yep. it's a different whiskey. Yep. It's a different whiskey outside of that smoky bottle. It's remarkable, yeah. absolutely remarkable. And yet, yeah, yeah psych- psychologically, that's what I love about our our blind sampling portion is it's a total head fuck. Yeah, and yeah. Yep. It's such a good exercise, and and to give you know credit where it's due, we we kind of stole the idea from Steve Hawley when he was still with Westland about the the weekly blind tastings they would do at the distillery, and how it was a great opportunity to kind of stretch yeah. the the muscle right the, the the tongue muscle if it is a muscle. That's yeah. I'm still just savoring this on my tongue oh, yeah. this is so good yeah. and i have poured a second one of it yeah i've really delicious thanks to Seabass and, and thanks to blind barrels for for sending this along and and uh, and yeah check them out blindbarrels.com A bit of mail that came in. There's actually a piece that I think is is one of the most important pieces of mail to come in in some time. It must say something complimentary about Joshua Han. Go oh, is he? Jeez, uh, oh, and I tell you, we've we've we have got a a load of emails to read, but this this one I think is important, Jason. And so this one is from uh, listener slash nation member Dan Grison, right? who we've mentioned Absolutely. before. He's good, 
Yep, good lad. Yep, he's currently in Scotland. Uh, he's at the Springbank School, which is which he may be done with that by now. But anyway, the subject simply titled "A Question to Ponder." Dot dot dot. <laughs> and so it starts off. He says, "Hello, Joshua and Jason." Then he says, first, you need to know." that my selected order of salutation was deliberate. <laughs> Allow me to explain. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have problems. Mm-hmm. We have such problems. All right. While I do enjoy both of you equally, <laughs> several episodes ago, Jason insulted both myself <laughs> and, more importantly, my daughters when he stated... People of lesser intelligence enjoy the horror genre. <laughs> this has taken much longer for the uh, the pigeons to come home to roost than I thought it would. <laughs> Can't believe we made it to the episode at the end of August. Called out. Uh, oh, he's been sitting on this one. It's just yeah. been. Spoiler alert, I regret nothing. So please continue. That's going to spur a second email from him. Let me continue. He says, might I add, that is quite the declarative statement, Jason, something you often abuse poor Joshua for using. Poor Joshua, listen to this. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Dan is coming to not just my defense, but to his defense, and he's defending his daughter as a father, Jason. Wow. Continue. Wow. Now, now, now I may not be the smartest man in the room. <laughs> but, Point, counterpoint. <laughs> but to say that about my daughters, well, I need to draw a line there and defend them. Across this line, you do not. And by the way, please, dude, Asian American. Um <laughs> Sometimes people with above average intelligence do enjoy turning the brain off and just getting lost in the fun. Oh, said said no intelligent person ever. Said no modern Star Wars fan ever. Anyway. Oh, multiple callbacks. This has been a good episode. This is April level. All right. This this is, he hasn't even gotten to. The, the reason no, I for know, his podcast. I know, we're his, still going, keep going. I almost said he hasn't gotten to the reason for his podcast. I meant his email. Not everything... Should, should we save all our riffing for the second half? <laughs> Not everything needs to be a think tank. My daughters and I have created quite a fun tradition of Friday night horror movie nights. As my kids are close in age to yours, I know you can appreciate how important... Those things found to spend time with them are. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He is not wrong. Time with dad isn't always a priority. That stings. That's terrible. Yeah. It's exactly how we started today's episode with the the video game doc on Netflix, right? Watching it with the 12-year-old and the 15-year-old. Oh, and and here you go. This is... uh, uh, he's going to call to him. By the way, this email came in on, on this most recent Sunday. So it, whatever that is, you know, it's August okay. 19th now. Do the math. Anyway, um, if I can pile on, I'm currently on a bus from Glasgow to Campbelltown listening to your <laughs> latest episode. And once again, you are railing on horror movies. 
FYI, Joshua, I too am a Clive Barker fan, having read most of his books. Now, to wrap this rant up, please know I am saying all of this in jest. <laughs> Love you both and remain a loyal fan of SCN, the podcast, and more importantly, both of you. Going forward, Cheers, all messages will address you as J&J, but having said what you just said, Jason, he may retract that, that kind offer. Yeah, there, there's at least another Joshua and Jason salutation in him. I, I can tell. I just, I'm waiting for the email to say Jason and Joshua. I, I know I'm, I may piss him off at one point, too. <laughs> I'm not a perfect man, Jason. Uh, anyway, so, so <laughs> he says, now to the main point of this email. <laughs> Many episodes ago, while this, right, that was the 17 minutes. Here we go. Many episodes I'm ago. I'm guessing the guys, guys with the two hour plus podcast should not say anything about <laughs> multi page emails. Right? Come on, dear. Um, now that I've completed my <laughs> intro, let me get to the interview portion of my email. <laughs> Many episodes ago, while discussing slash describing a whiskey, you both continued to use the word soft, which, which I think we may have used just now. Uh, I think it's a, a word that we go back to on occasion. Now that got me wondering, why is soft okay but smooth is not. Let me let me continue here. They're both ultimately descriptors of texture. So why is one okay and the other is not? I will add, I too feel just as you. I do not like the use of smooth, but freely throw around soft. I have my reasons why, but rather than lead the witness, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Thanks as always, Dan. Cheers. No, thanks as always. Cheers, That's Dan. excellent. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Uh, always, always, a, always a top shelf email from one of my favorite listeners and nation members. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Solid, solid guy. Um, Was that enough to get me a, my name? I don't think so. First no, I don't think so at all. I think you got, <laughs> you got reparations, Jason. Um, so I have, I have my very specific reason why I use... Soft. Yeah, go on. Keep going. Okay. I don't use soft as, well, if I do use it in this manner, I don't mean to. But when I use the descriptor of soft, it's not something that signifies texture. Rather, for me, it signifies how the whiskey itself holds its own alcohol and the the degree at which the flavors slash scents are delivered to your to your palate or your nose. So if those scents or those flavors are jumping out at you, that's not soft. You can still have a really good oily texture and a good nasal texture, but if the scents are like and flavors are just like, pay attention to me, that's not a soft whiskey. A soft whiskey is like no, you come to me a little bit, right? You, I'm still going to have that nice texture of the other whiskeys, but I'm going to deliver these scents and these flavors in a way that's just a bit gentler. So it's not, a, it's not a texture, but it's a delivery system of those scents and of those flavors. That's how I typically like to use it. Yeah, I'm sure people with better knowledge of the, the podcast than me <laughs> could correct me on this, but I 
I don't know if soft is a term I use particularly much. You do. You do use soft. I do mm-hmm. use soft. So And, it, and it, it could very well be because I use soft. Like you and I, I know when yeah. we do tastings, sometimes we'll start using the words that the other person uses, not even realizing it. And so, I, so yeah, so yep. I, I know that you do use it. And so I I agree with you. If it wasn't going to be heard negatively, I think you could sub in the word muted, right? Mm, but see, that, not, that could be... But, but not negatively, right? Yeah, that's it's, the tough bet. Yep. For, for me, it, it could be the, the difference between hearing music in the room you're sitting in mm-hmm. and hearing music through the wall, uh, right? Okay. Like coming in from your kid, yeah, right? Yeah. You're still picking up the notes, yep. but it's just a little muted. There's something between you and it. And so I think that soft is the speaking of a dialing down. Instead of it, hmm. instead of the dial being at eleven, the dial's at four or five, right? So it's still present, but it's okay. Easy. All right. Well, let me let me ask. Hello. Let me ask you a slightly oh. deeper question. Would there be a time where you would prefer the use of soft over muted, because muted can have a pejorative sense to it? Oh, I think it would always be preferred over muted. Always, always. I'm just saying I think the term soft can be considered a stand-in for muted, Uh, but we never say muted because it only gets heard negatively. Whereas soft, well, beds are soft and pillows are soft and middle-aged dad tummies are soft. Oh, yeah, they're going to say flaccid penises. (laughs) That's different. Always always the middle-aged dad penis with you. And so, so, so I, 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 would, I would go even a little further, and I've been asking myself this question and, and listening to the question from Dan and listening to your answer. I could potentially use it as a texture descriptor. I think soft hmm. can speak to it treading lightly across the palate, right? It's just, it's just a little... Forest nymph mm. delivering floral petals, right? As it tiptoes across your tongue. Okay, so right, but when you talk about floral, when you are are you more using it for regionality? Like, could there be? Could you use that for a Lafroig? Right? Could you use that for? Yeah, no. Right? So so okay. I I think I like I see what Unless you're saying. Unless it was the frog select. The frog select <laughs> might be soft. I know. Uh, we do. Do we do we have do we have do we have to read we have to read the other one really quickly. Uh, this is this is this is very important. Um so I, I think this has been one of the most talked about emails we've ever had on the <laughs> on the podcast. So I think your point is a good one. However, I would argue that to use soft in the way in which you've just mentioned, you typically have to have the modifier of regionality being tied to that. I would send any listener of this episode back to last week's Extra Extra, where we spent some time Mm. feeling Mm. out floral 
yeah. and regionality within the lowlands. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I, I think, I think if you were to talk about soft, you could, and, and you're talking regionality just now, I think you could attach it to the traditional profile of the lowlands. Yeah. Right. I think, I think you could get away with it in there, but you you have a, a an apropos update for us yeah. here, so please, please. So this email came in from Kevin Dunlop, which, if if memory serves, he is the the Scottish expat living somewhere in in Illinois, some something like that. Does he commute to Milwaukee? Yeah, from from Air. He he commutes from Air to Milwaukee every day, five days a week. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> So, That's why he can get in one of our episodes a week. Right. <laughs> it's the only way that makes his, his, his commute like worthwhile. Tolerable. Uh, I, well, anyway, so the, the subject is simply called The Select. Ta-da! And so it says, Kevin, you, you failed us already in this. this is, yes. Boom. We're off to a winner. Yeah, right. He, he says, Dear Jason and Joshua, very ah. clear difference. Two Illinois boys here. One of them says Joshua and Jason. The other one is a clear racist uh, and, and puts the Scotsman before the American. And I see what's happening here. Um, so <laughs> I say that. Is Scottish a race? I don't know. Is Scottish a race? I think you're just really white. I think it's an ethnicity. It is an ethnicity. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, with an eth- ethnicistist. Ethnicistist. Anyway, so he says, Dear. Jason and Joshua, I listened to your podcast with the Lafroig Select story. That night, I went to see the Scottish <laughs> band Scarivore, S-K-E-R-R-Y-V-O-R-E, which I think okay. in, in Scots Gaelic is pronounced M-H-B-T-L-Z-Z-M-H. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pronounced variable in Gaelic. <laughs> Uh, so he sees he saw the Scottish band Scarivore at a little venue in Wisconsin. So there you go. There's your there's your Wisconsin connection. He says I was the DD for the band, and that's not Dunkin' Donuts. That's Ooh. designated driver, um, which was unusual to not share a dram <laughs> with them. Also unusual to meet fellow Livingstoners anywhere. Anywho, it was the owner of the venue's birthday. The band and him have a lot of history helping them tour the U.S., so they brought him a little bottle of, yes, you guessed it, Lefroy Select. (laughs) (laughs) And his wife looked at it, rolled her eyes, and put it off to the side. They never opened it. (laughs) He continues... I figure if it's good enough for the lads of Scarivore to gift, it must be good enough. And then he says, I've attached a picture of said bottle now displayed behind the bar for your viewing pleasure. And so there it is. And so it says, happy birthday, JJ. Scarivore. And then it has uh, all of their their autographs on there. So there you go. It sounds like a proper gift. And a proper gift... (laughs) By four Scotsmen to 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 a barkeep there. So, so there you go, Sean. Have your sister's boyfriend stick that in his pipe and smoke it. Last bit here. We got an email from Sean on the same day Kevin sent that email. 
<laughs> and it said, and it's just a follow up to the I bought the wrong bottle for the right reasons. It says, "Hey Josh and Jason, so he got the order right. I'll take Josh. That's all right." <laughs> I listened said to Joshua never. <laughs> I listened to the most most of the most recent <laughs> podcast yesterday, <laughs> right? Because he's doing. You talked about completionist. He he. Yep, Sean says he's indeed. doing it in order. Um, Indeed. Right? You got to, it's foreplay first and then, right? So, anyway, he yeah. says. Uh, it's how listen- mathematicians have sex. They do it in order. It's a math joke. Just move on. The mathematicians out there are loving it. In Scotland, do they call them the mathematicians? No. Or the arithmeticists? Anyway. <laughs> they call them the aristocrats. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, uh, so. I listened to most of the most recent pod, podcast yesterday and really appreciate the time you took to answer my question in various directions that you took it. To speak to a few of your comments, I am 46 and live in North Carolina, originally from Massachusetts. Ah, okay. My sister and her boyfriend's whiskey of choice is usually Jack Daniels or JD Honey, right? We did. We were curious about what they normally drink. And mostly they make cocktails. Okay, so we got a good lay of the land. There we go. Good, good. Hearing that, I'm still going to stand by the point that I think Lafroy Select is a decent little whiskey to gift. Anyway, I'm going to continue because we're saving the riffing till the end. They do like to drink various spirits, are pretty open to new things, and we shared a few drams in the past. I was hoping to open up their world a little. Her boyfriend mm-hmm. is of Scottish heritage, and he is rather focused on this Scottish heritage. They go to the Highland Games in Vermont every year, which I'm familiar with. Third on the list of why I choose that bottle, and the kicker, in my opinion, is they had planned a trip to Scotland for an extended tour, which will include a few distilleries and a few days on Isla. And then this is parenthetical. Uh there you go. He says, and we'll actually leave in the next week or so. So they actually may be on Isla right now. He hmm. says, this was part of my thought process. Give them a little taste of what to expect. That, I think, is very cool. Anyway. 100%. He, Sean ends it with one last paragraph. He says, you guys are fantastic, and I appreciate that you gave my question its due diligence. Jason, for you, that's hmm. due diligence. <laughs> I'm only hearing double D. <laughs> uh, He's D-D-D. a DD. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm very happy to have given Jason a few nervous moments, but I to- apologize for initially sending my email to the wrong address. Though in hindsight, glad I did because I laughed a little more as a result. Sean. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. I... It's it's a brave move to give Jack Daniels drinkers Lafroig, but what a smart smart move on! You're going to be in Scotland. You're going to be on Isla. <laughs> like here's what you're going to be tasting when you go to that Hebridean island. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it just makes it an even kinder gift uh, in my eyes. Yeah, well done, Sean. You're a mensch. Wow, look at you saying it's a kind gift. It's Retract- a very kind gift. I said that originally. Mm, I don't know if you did. Anyway. Yeah. I, horror fans didn't pick up everything <laughs> I was putting down, but <laughs> other listeners know what I was saying. 
Listen, uh, if if you want to be like Kevin or Sean or Dan, you can email us questions at one nation under whiskey.com. That's whiskey without an E. You can also email us info at uh, singlecastnation.com. And I just, I want to, one last thing, um, because this comment came in July 13th, and it's from one of our most avid podcast listeners, podcast listeners, and a, a devotee of Single Cast Nation, and someone who's connected to our dear friend Ari White. They put together a festival called Kiddish Fest, uh, which happens in New York. And uh, and so he, he sent this little comment on our Apple podcast. So if you want to do a little Apple podcast review, you could do what Ari Cohen did. And I only know it's Ari because his handle is Spirits and Q, as in Spirits oh. and Barbecue. And, That's awesome. Yeah. And so the, the subject is pad cost to end all pad costs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Pad casts to end all pad casts. That's interesting. So five stars. And he says, what can one say about this particular pad cast uh, related to the on... I'm not doing good with the English language, Jason, here. What can one say about this particular this particular pad cost related to the going on within the whiskey world and the worlds of Joshua and Jason of Single Cast Nation? Their particular brand of humor and easygoing interview style makes it seem like you are always in on the joke and that you are an insider to the whiskey world they are a part of. Their wick Weekly podcasts, or should that be pad cost, are a must listen for me and many other whiskey drinkers. Here's to the two chins. There you go. There you go. So. Wonderful. I, I, yeah, I love that. I love the, uh, I love the reviews helping people discover and 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 the in jokes within the in jokes within the reviews <laughs> can you imagine coming as someone who's never heard an episode and they're like the podcast and the podcast what, what the hell is wrong with this person and why are there multiple people saying this <laughs> what type of person listens oh wait till people start Talking about horror reviews in our uh, podcast reviews. Jason, it's... you and I need to watch a horror movie together. I think that's it. <laughs> so I grew. I, I, I don't know if I said this previously. I, I grew up reading Stephen King. I, I grew up reading Clive Barker. Right. It's. I it had a good place, and I'm glad to hear Dan's daughters are right in that same age yeah. that I was. It just never transferred to the screen for me. I I just much visually it was too much. The books. Yeah. But to be honest, I actually think visually it seemed more cheesy. Like in the books, it seemed more real. Oh. And, on, and in the movie, it seemed just more gratuitous. There's no doubt about it. You know, those earlier Stephen King adaptations and more more importantly, or more specifically, the the earlier Clive Barker movie adaptations like mm-hmm. Hellraiser... Mm-hmm. Uh, which was from the Hellbound Heart, like, you know, novelette, novella, not novella, was amazing. The film adaptation, I think, had some cool visual aspects to it, but overall was a terrible friggin' movie. Like, it was remarkably cheesy. Yep. But I, I do wonder if that is a, 
you know, a, a 2000s take on an 80s movie where, you know, that was all the style of it. It was all gratuitous. Yeah. Let's put a pin in this and, and get out of here. All right. Yeah, I, I like that. So, Jason, thanks as always to you. Thanks, sincere thanks to Madhu, um, who came out to the U.S. for nearly three weeks, something like that, just a, an obscene amount of time in the U.S., uh, you know, as a, as a husband and a, and a father. Um, thanks to Madhu Khanna. Uh, thanks to Sean Parent, to Kevin Dunlop, to Dan Grison, to our listeners, um, and, and to Seabass and Blind Barrels, again, for these, these samples and, and getting to taste wild turkey cornerstone out of context was super fun yeah. i am proud of you and me jason of being able to identify somewhat confidently a wild turkey whiskey that we couldn't tell that it was a rye and not a bourbon but that's another story all right that's it jason two chins two chins <laughs>